0: VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, I want to scream out, turn off the lights, turn off the lights, turn off the lights first. The lights are off on Patty today, only today. Uh, he is off today. It is Tim Powers here with you again today as we will talk about turning off the lights and all that is happening in the outer battery. Uh, quite a, a chant and cheer you heard on the news. And you know what? I'd love to hear on this story, and I'll get into it more in a few minutes, but from outside the city. If you're looking at this and how it's playing out in St. John's. And you're hearing some of the arguments of of, um, of the residents that this has provincial implications. I want to hear from your perspective, because I do wonder if it's too inside the ballpark St. John's. And I say this as somebody whose family home is down the street. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, yesterday, 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 I was giving my poor buddy Dave Williams a hard time about the L.A. Chargers. You know, I was almost gleeful and gloating that they had lost in a comeback. Well, I guess, as they say, karma is a B word. And what happened last night? Tom Brady, I'm a fan of Tom Brady, I'm not too proud to admit it when you're 45 years old and you can still dominate a sport though not as much as you once did that's pretty impressive and I like people who win and he's won a few times but last night, uh uh-uh stinker game, Brady's done at least for this year, does he come back Cowboys crushed them quite uh, forcefully and that's what happened when you get crushed and Brady had no magic left in his arm last night, Uh, lots of drop balls and there was a bad hit but anyway, excuses are for those who like to lose and I don't like to lose and he just wasn't good enough last night, will he come back will his Drama going forward be as invigorating or painful, depending on your perspective as Prince Harry's. When you talk about turn the lights off, turn off the lights, I thought they were talking about all those Prince Harry interviews last week. Sorry, had to get that in there too. That's been driving me batty. Gotta throw this out there, and I, I guess I'm at an age, and many of people in the audience will recognize this, where you're. Uh, paying more attention to anniversaries and memories, and you look at the obituaries more often. Uh, today, apparently, is the seventh anniversary of the death of Danny King. Now, anybody who knows anything about rugby in Newfoundland and Labrador, powerlifting in Newfoundland and Labrador, was a student at Waterford Valley High, will remember Danny. Uh, I knew Danny for years. I coached him for a little while in in rugby, though we're around the the same age. Uh, We played together, and one of my last rugby games against the Swilers in a tournament was against my friend Danny. Danny died seven years ago today. And, good on the swilers who Danny and I both played for to remember him today he he was a larger than life figure he was charismatic he was kind he was unique and original he wore what he wanted he said what he wanted but my experience with Danny he was always kind to people and that means a lot to me and the tributes I read when he passed away from his students re- reflected that he died in his mid-40s I was way way too young So if you know Danny, you're a friend of Danny's, you're Danny's family, we're thinking of you today. Uh, We're thinking of the great memories he made and the contributions he made. It's wonderful that the Swilers have an award in in Danny's name that uh, looks to capture and memorialize all of his attributes in future generations of, of leaders and players. So thinking of you, buddy, thinking of you today. Let's go to those lights. Let's start there. And there's a theme you're going to see emerging today, and it's about health and wellness. We're out of blue Monday, but we're still in the midst of winter, and there's a lot of health and wellness issue stories to deal with. So let's deal with the lights. So as you heard Noah say uh, on the news this morning, uh, Deputy Mayor Sheila O'Leary did table a motion that requested an amendment to the St. John's Act to uh, allow for a nuisance lighting bylaw. As our news reports, while many of the councillors sympathise with residents, they turned down that motion by a vote of eight to one. I suspect we're going to hear from a lot of Outer Battery residents today are not happy with that. I, I, I have to admit I'm a bit befuddled as to why this is so difficult to deal with. So let's go to another character in the drama. I want to be careful here because this character uh, is known to be litigious but that doesn't mean we won't speak about him. He is Mr. Colin Way. He is the owner of the lights and he certainly has a right to own lights and do what he likes to his property as long as it conforms to the law. Ryan Cook at CBC has written an interesting piece on Mr. Way, and I would encourage you to have a look at it, and I will just give you the headline of the piece that Ryan wrote, and it says, Outer Battery Man Has History of Defamation Suits. Once had a man charged after he looked up at him. Read the whole story before you cast judgments. This will give you some history of the the other... uh, main character in this drama I would say this neither the city nor the media ought to hesitate and Ryan certainly hasn't in bringing more light pardon the pun onto the story because an individual prefers to take things through the courts that doesn't materially change the issue of whether this is a problem for the residents or not it may lead to more caution as we have heard by the city of St. John's I guess, according to Ryan's report, um, Mr. Way is in a dispute with a municipality elsewhere. I believe it is Corner Brook. But again, look at Ryan's report and you can see that. So you'll get a sense of the drama here. I still sit here having listened to this uh, yesterday and trying to understand it. And again, our family home is near this area, though not in the outer battery. Don't how there is not an easier solution to this, regardless of the intransience of different parties in this drama. And I would like an explanation from the city uh, so I can understand it, but more importantly so you can understand it as to why the section in the Municipal Act that um, Ms. Smith, Christina Smith referenced yesterday, I believe it is 377, can't be used to exercise options here and why there needs to be a broader legislative process. I do empathize with the arguments that some of the councillors are making that you can't just instantly react to, to challenges like this lighting story by creating new bylaws. But, as others have pointed out, if we can rapidly respond to noise nuisance, why can 't the same be done here? Still, so much to be discovered. Interesting also to see John Abbott, the MHA for the the, the region, the uh, the minister in Premier Fury 's government weighing in and uh, being very forceful in saying that he 's prepared to make changes or bring to the government changes uh, around the city of st john 's act we 're going to follow this today, and i 'll go back to where I started. If this is too insular, if this is too inside the ballpark, and if you're sitting in in Goose Bay or Lab City or out on the coast or in Fairyland and you're hearing this and thinking, ah, St. John's, this is why we drive you nuts, let me know. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that because I'm trying to get a pulse on that. I'm trying to get into the magnitude of how this story matters or doesn't to the rest of the province and, and uh, where people are around it. So that's that for now. I am sure we will have lots of calls. Health and wellness, as I said, theme of the day. So yesterday, some news of sorts, news about news that's apparently coming. Both the Prime Minister and Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe suggested in different interviews that there is some progress on a health care deal. Now, they're not spelling out details, but they're using language that suggests that there is and has been more compromise potentially made. Some of the things that we're hearing, and credit to David Cochran, he broke a lot of this last night, that there is closer agreement on some of the priority areas that the federal government has laid out that for some provinces, and it was not spelled out in David's reporting who those provinces might be, there could be specific plans that deal with challenges within those provinces that they are looking at, they, the premiers and the prime ministers, a February 1st ministers meeting. Now, you can be damn sure before they get to the table, they're going to want to have pretty much everything done. That the, I think it was 28 to $35 billion the provinces were looking for. It will not hit $35 billion, but there will be... A significant amount of money there that will be put into the CHST, Canada Health and Social Transfer, that will matter to the delivery of services in provinces. Now, I say, well, why do we have to wait till February? Again, I'm struck by the call of Mary yesterday, who was waiting to get a call back from her doctor about uh, the conditions she was dealing with. We have calls on this program all the time, whether it's Patty or me, about the challenges that we have. But February at least is in the line of sight. Do you have any hope hearing this news today? What do you want to see in this agreement? You'll remember yesterday, if you were listening, I was talking about the announcements they were going to make in Ontario. So in Ontario yesterday, Doug Ford did say they're setting up a system whereby they will use private clinics to provide different ma- manner of publicly insured services. Cataract surgery is the first one I think that's coming up. Eventually it will get to hip and knees. Ford continues to say that that will not mean you'll have to pay for it. You're, you will not need your credit card, is his line. The opposition say, Yo, oh, you will at some point and this is gonna be uh, damaging to the public system. You Follow the news, you can follow the debate. So things are happening. Uh, Trudeau said in response to Ford's announcement, he'll watch and follow the Canada Health, make sure the Canada Health Act is protected. And if you've fallen asleep now, I want to know what the Canada Health Act is. It is the agreement that oversees the provision of health care in the countries. And the federal government is supposed to make sure that uh, it is universal and portable, meaning what you get in St. John's, you can get in Toronto or Victoria or elsewhere. Anyway, uh, what do you think about all of that? Is the pressure from Ford and others moving this along? What do we need in Newfoundland? uh, Lots of people are commending Newfoundland and Labrador, though you may not be as a resident if you're in line, for some of the things that we're doing. Uh, Recruitment trips to India for nurses, recruitment trips to Ireland for physicians, uh, the whole healthcare transformation initiative that's underway, though it's still going. Uh, It's going to take time, of course. Love to hear from you on all of that. So that's that health and wellness story. Now, this one's probably even more relevant to just about everyone who listens. So today, today is the day that the new alcohol consumption guidelines for Canada are put out. They were developed by the Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse. So you will remember that previously the recommendation was or suggestion was that if you liked to drink, it was safe for women to have about 10 drinks a week and for men to have 15. Big, big changes. So now these are weekly numbers. Low risk, low risk. And the risks they've identified, as you would expect, deal with heart disease, deal with cancer, deal with stroke, and other significant health issues elements that are being defined by research to be more um, directly linked to alcohol consumption. So, the low-risk guidelines now. As of today, one to two drinks a week. Moderate, and this is for male and female, moderate, three to six drinks a week. Uh, High-risk, high-risk, seven or more drinks a a week. Now, we are a culture in Newfoundland and Labrador where many of us, me included, though I continue always to manage my mental health and uh, and, and alcohol consumption, I, from time to time, like to have a drink. Um, right now, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm not always okay, and many are in the same boat, but others of you who have a healthier relationship with alcohol, uh, like to drink more than I do, like to drink often. How do you feel about all of this? And fascinating for me is somebody who is in the um, entrepreneurial space and the selling of, a, of, of beer here in Ontario, how this impacts business people. I will say first and foremost, again, so let there be no misinterpretation on this. Your health is the most important thing. You need to make the best choices for you, for your family, and for your future well-being. But I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm also in this space. Uh, I'm fascinated to know what impact it may have. If you're in the restaurant business, if you're in the hospitality business, what are you thinking about these guidelines? How are you going to prepare to deal with this? Because there will be people, rightly, who listen to the advice of of the Canadian Centre for Low-Risk Substance Abuse, Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Use, and make choices about what they put in their mouth and how much they put in their mouths. What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with that? How are you thinking about all of this personally? Do you buy it all? Do you challenge the research? Happy to talk about that. And Labrador, don't want to forget you on the health and wellness. I saw Jordan Brown in the news today talking about challenges that the, labs, the, the uh, Goose Bay Hospital is having, that the Lab City is trying to pick up in terms of service provision. Not forgetting about you, Labrador. Labrador friends, call. Tell us how that may be impacting you. And one last bit before the break. David Brazzle says he's not going to run for the leadership of the PC Party of Newfoundland, but he would like to run again as an MHA. We're hopefully going to talk to Dave later on this program. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. Back with all the calls after this. Welcome back, Tim Powers in for Patty. You can get me on the email at openlinefeocm.com. That does still work, by the way, email. And on Twitter, at Powers Tim, already got a couple of little jibes in there. That's good. Boys and girls, keep that coming. Now we're going to talk bees. Are they in someone's bonnet or are they really flying around? Greg, you're on line one, Newfoundland bees. Buddy, what's going on? Good morning, sir. How are you? I, I I am okay. I didn't have a bright light shining on me last night, just the darkness of winter here in Ontario. I hear you. Not good, not good. So there was a gentleman
1: called in on Friday. I don't think you were in on Friday. No, I wasn't. Friday. No, go ahead, though. Yeah. There was a gentleman called in on Friday morning. He was talking about, uh, I think he was from outside the province, he was talking about the government of Newfoundland telling people to import bees from outside and to kill off their existing bees come winter. And he was saying that's a huge mistake, and I just want to totally agree with him. I would not advise anybody to import bees from outside of Newfoundland. Newfoundland has probably the best bee population in North America. And actually, here in uh, eastern Ontario, there is a lot of uh, bees that are diseased, and it's having some real impact on the farmer's crops. It doesn't sound like a very important issue, but... When food prices start rising, it will become yeah. an important issue. Okay?
0: Yeah, and, and just give some the audience some context on your knowledge around this, Greg, so they understand uh, understand where you're coming from and why why it's important to listen to your comments.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm not a bee expert by any means, but I've I followed it over the years, and it, it's a big issue here. You see, the number of the bee population in in this area has been cut down significantly, and they've done all kinds of studies on it, and there's different diseases and everything. And uh, actually, one of the places they point to as having a healthy bee population is Newfoundland.
0: So, and is that, is that based on what you've read? Because again, uh, I mean, we're we're an island. There's probably less cross part to use a a bee phrase cross pollination with other species. And uh, and and is there the ecosystem is different? what what what, what have you read about that?
1: I think it's a lack. I think it's a lack of pesticides in Newfoundland and okay. Labrador because there's not a lot of farming, mm-hmm. so the pesticides have not damaged the bees over time. Whereas outside of there, like if you go to Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, especially PEI or Quebec or Ontario, and then really anywhere west, there's there's
0: tons there's you know a large amount of farms, right? Yeah, there's heavy pesticide use. And there's tons of them. And what, as it relates to food prices, just to explain that further. I get it, but help help the audience understand that because food prices, as you alluded to, uh, I think are 10 to 12 percent higher than they've ever been. They don't look like they're going to decline any time soon. Where do bees fit in the food production process?
1: Well, the bees, they pollinate the different plants, so they travel from one plant to the other collecting the honey or the nectar, and then they, they pollinate the plant along the way, so it helps growth among the plants, and, you know, it's almost like a service for free for humans, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, we-
1: if, if, if the bees don't pollinate the plants, basically, if there's no reproduction, you know, the, the amount of food goes down, the cost goes up, Right.
0: Yeah, he uh, it, it's uh, it's funny you forget some of these basic things but it but it is so absolutely true. And uh, just before I let you go well, I again didn't hear this um have you seen evidence that Newfoundland is preparing to do this? I will do some research on this afterwards, but uh, the gentleman said that he had what else did he say that was interesting?
1: He was just saying that the uh, the province of Newfoundland was telling the people in the province to kill off their bees in the fall and get new ones outside the province in the in the spring and you know he was saying this I think it was from Nova Scotia I might be mistaken on that but uh, you know he said it's just uh, it's a wrong move and I just really want to totally drive home the point that
0: yeah it's definitely a wrong move you wouldn't
1: it would be like bringing a diseased codfish into the population (laughs) yeah
0: I don't mean to laugh but it that's a great explanation and you know you never know what you're going to start with on this show it's an important call and and thank you Uh, we'll we'll pay attention to the story Greg thank you
1: thank you sir have a good day
0: Bye. all right take care well there are bees in people's bonnets in the uh, outer battery and now we've got somebody who wants to talk a little bit about health and wellness and the lights Robin are you there hi hey how are you this morning
2: I'm doing very well on your shelf
0: Good, thank you. What's your take on all, because I understand this is what you want to take talk about, what's your take on all that's going on in the outer battery, the impact of the lights?
2: Well, um, you started off with a preamble about health and wellness. Right. Okay, so first of all, I'd like to point out that the story on VOCM.com uh, points out that um, Councillor Ravencroft, could not show up because of threats on social media. That's right. And this is a common thing that's happened, um, and it was in the news before. Mm-hmm. So there's a health and wellness issue there. First, of all, first of all, in that there's a person.
0: I, I absolutely agree, and that was something we hadn't talked about. Thank you for raising. Keep going, raising it. Keep going, Robin, please.
2: So that's that's a bit threatening and and a bit you know. Unusual. Now, we have um, a couple of things also that you spoke about, um, lights and sound, sound, for example, and the word nuisance. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: uh, we say, like, nuisance lighting or nuisance sound. Um, Christmas lights. There's lots of people around. Like, uh, look at Porte Great Peninsula, for example, where they do the Christmas lights look at some of the houses that have blinking lights that are going um, all night, and a neighbor has to look at blinking Christmas lights. Would that not be considered a nuisance by some?
0: It may be, and I have heard people complain about Christmas lights, but, again, I I, I don't have the City of St. John's uh, Act in front of me, but every municipality that I know does allow for them. There are probably time requirements on when they can be turned on and off. Uh, But for some, yes, they may be considered a nuisance, but I think the difference here would be, uh, one, they're temporary, and, two, they are not... um, blaring, and I've not seen them, but this is how it's been described to me, so I'm referring to the description, blaring into people's homes and keeping them up. But you could make an argument that for some, Christmas lights, yes, might be a distraction. Keep going, Robin.
2: Well, lights would be cultural. It would be a cultural, significant thing to many Newfoundlanders.
0: Cultural significant, though, I I would say thank you for going down that path because, look, and again, I don't know Mr. Way. I don't know his reasons for putting his lights up, but a lot of people would say, you know, he uh, he has a right to safety and security. He might – and I'm not giving him arguments, but I can hear what an argument would be. He might argue that, you know, the lights provide a sense of security. So you can go in different directions with this as you are. But go ahead, Robin.
2: And also, it, like also sounds, for example, like, um, you know, how we've altered, you know, New Year's to, you know, eight o'clock, even though like this year, like, you know, the fireworks were, you know, going, you know, berserk at 12 o'clock here. So, you know, realistically, like even sound is a nuisance and the word nuisance itself is very vague. And it's very hard to define. And, you know, like I said, with Christmas, with New Year's, these are cultural issues, the religious issues, and they are very difficult to restrict. If you're able to restrict, you know, um, Christmas lights and whether they can be turned off at like 11 o'clock or whatever they may be, um, why can you not do that with, you know, this particular light?
0: And that I think that is what people are are wanting to ask. I mean, nuisance is an interesting word. I just looked at the online definition. So since you've brought it up, a person or thing or circumstance causing inconvenience or annoyance. Clearly, in this case, it's causing inconvenience or annoyance. There's a lot of – there would be a ton of municipal law, not just in Newfoundland and Labrador, but across the country and around the world that has defined – the term nuisance from a legal perspective so i i would assume that is why it's used it is often used in these circumstances but as you are applying common sense here and good on you for doing that people have have different versions of new nu- of nuisance so what, you're looking at this uh, you're hearing this what's your solution to this particular problem what do you think should happen here as it relates to the outer battery
2: um, I'd, I'd like to say one more thing as well. Just sure, go ahead. Yep. Um, so uh, this person that you have mentioned now, like uh, I, I, I looked and I read up, like read up on the story that mm-hmm. you had um, uh, talked about. Yes. And, uh, you know, about uh, this person charging someone for looking at them um, with the Highway Traffic Act, which seems to me to be quite an extension of the Highway Traffic Act.
0: It does, um, and I think it will, yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know, uh, it seems awfully strange that one person can have such an extension of that act, you know, in order to charge someone, when, it, you know, at the same time, you see, like, on your website, you see 50 people with signs, you know, complaining about one person with a light. If, if, but to, get, to finish, what I would say... Is if I were to approach that situation, I would have a a time at which these lights would have to go off, or uh, in another in another manner. If there's security lights, I would probably have uh, some kind of you know movement uh, movement detection light.
3: Mm-hmm. That seems to be,
2: that seems to be the only thing that I would go with, or something that would you know detect the lumens of the light. But you know, if going down with like these um, unilateral nuisance lighting, like the problem with that is nuisance. That's that's the problem. Nuisance.
0: What is yeah, nuisance? I- yeah, and and again, you'll have a legion of lawyers who will define it either way, and I, I think that's where the battle lines are going to be drawn, and then that may be the concern some in the city have. I've not seen their legal opinion. I think it's uh, Christina Smith said yesterday, They, and I'm just repeating what Christina said to me, and I believe I have it correct, that the the city, as she understood it, had been given some illegal opinion. Um, that advised of caution, my interpretation of it. But good good call, Robin, uh, and nuisance, nuisance is indeed the the word i don't think anybody would doubt in this circumstance the way it's playing out is is a nuisance it may be a nuisance to some of the listeners as well but a bigger nuisance to those in the outer battery uh thanks for the call robin appreciate your contribution this morning
2: appreciate speaking with
0: you. take care have a nice day all right, time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. We've got a bunch of callers lined up. Sam Siniard, he's going to talk about nuisance and lawsuits related to WestJet. We've got another caller lined up to talk about. What do we have? We have Gary who wants to talk about furnace oil. All coming up after the break here on VOCM's Open Line.
4: Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking.
0: Welcome back to open line. We're going to go to line three. Gary, furnace oil. Expensive, painful to acquire. What's going on?
5: Yeah, anyway, um, I had an oil fill up there Sunday. Yeah. Total price, $1,439.11.
0: Oh my goodness. And how long is that likely going to last you, Gary?
5: No, that depends on the weather and the temperature. Yep. But hopefully, I'll get six, seven weeks out of it. But that depends on oh like you know uh, what our weather's like here. Yeah. In you could get a cold snap for about a week. <laughs> that depends on the weather.
0: Uh, so normally you're filling up what kind of like eight times a year, seven times uh, a year?
5: You no, we're gonna they filled me up there in the middle of November. Okay. And that was 685 85 taxes in. Jeez. And it was just over eight weeks, and they came Sunday past, and like I said, 14 11. and now it depends. Double. On, now, depend, you have more more than double.
0: Double in a bit, yeah, double, so d- double in a you, quarter.
5: Now, usually they come around like every six weeks, now give or take depending again on weather and temperature. And, of course, the price might be up or down, depending on how much I burnt and how much the uh, furnace oil price is at the time.
0: So how much strain is this putting on you? I mean, uh, that takes away from other things you can spend your money on. Uh,
5: it puts a, it does put a strain on me, but like I'm doing all right, but it does put a strain on me. Mm-hmm. And just to let you know, the um, actual taxes on this load was 187 that's the tax. just the 15% tax.
0: Now, was there some relief that was originally brought forward by the government on oil yep. at some point uh, over uh, the last year? No. W-
5: no, that was a $500 check issued last fall.
0: Last for, fall, yeah.
5: For furnace oil, and then they gave everybody a $500 cost of living
0: check, Allowance. But
5: that's basically, that was basically eaten up by the first load of oil I got.
0: So is this, uh, do you have an option whereby you can switch to alternative sources of of energy like electric or uh, where, are uh, how how real is it is an option for you? Because I remember when we were talking about this in the fall, there's still a a large number of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians who are just like you. And that's just the way their homes were built and their homes were heated. Is how is, to use the great government word, how is is transition available to you to some other form of energy provision?
5: Uh... Uh, well, I could do it, but then again, you there's uh, the price involved and yep. do it, like doing everything, so that might be even with the subsidy that would probably be out of the, out of the question for me. So.
0: So you're stuck in this place where you got to use the oil, and you got to heat your home. And in, in tough times, it makes it tougher. It sounds like, as you have described it, at least you have some ability to uh, to, to survive. But there are others who are in diff- more difficult spots, aren't there?
5: Oh yes, I was just I was going to say that, like people on uh, like low income and their living paycheck, or and people living paycheck to paycheck. And If they got a delivery like fourteen hundred and forty dollars for round figures, like I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. I honestly don't.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough one, and there's no quick answer to this. This oil, to to be fair to governments across the world, I mean, there the the war in Russia has created a challenge. Prices, the price of oil has generally, the price of oil has gone up. There's all manner. There's of course the taxation regime that the conservatives and others are uh, railing against, and not just uh, carbon taxation as they describe it, but broader taxation initiatives. I mean, what is there anything else you think can be done here by? Governments to help you and people who have furnace oil, and or to help you transition that hasn't been done yet.
5: Uh, no, don't know unless they do something with the fifteen percent tax. That's the only other thing. Now apparently the this carbon tax, I suppose, go up in either April or July. Ju- in- I
0: believe it's July, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah,
5: yeah that's right. Yeah, and uh, no, that won't really affect us till next season. Mm-hmm. but uh, right now god only knows what the price next season is going to be too cuz you right now it's dollar uh, 68 or something down here dollar 68.66 a liter for furnace oil and that's about 8 cents more a liter for furnace oil than it is for gasoline gas is uh, dollar 16 and a half down here now in St. John's
0: well, Gary, I see you got so much to be excited for. I just looked in my uh, online banking statement two days ago, and I'm, you know what, I got my ninety-three dollars back from the government of Canada for my climate action fund because we pay the carbon t- carbon price carbon tax here in Ontario. So you know, you get you're getting some money back. It's not very much. It might pay five percent of what you just paid or ten percent of what you just paid on your uh, on your oil bill but uh, all right anything else you want to add gary before i move on
5: no that's it thanks
0: Thank you for calling. Thanks for telling us about that. It's a struggle many people are having. All right, Gary. Yeah. Now, Sam Sinyard, we're going to go to you. I've known Sam for a long time. He's had many roles. He's a former mayor of Marystown. He ran the Federation of Newfoundland-Labrador municipalities. And apparently, like me, and nobody will give a damn what happened to me on travel, had quite the, uh, the, the winter travel. Did you, uh, Sam? You had some Christmas uh, nightmares in the skies?
6: I sure did, Tim. First of all, Tim, Happy New Year too. Hope 2023 yeah. finds you and your family well.
0: And same to you, Sam. Same to you. And, and maybe that means we won't have the the holiday uh, travel blues like many of us <laughs> had. Anyway, you are. I guess you're looking at a class action suit or considering one around WestJet. Tell us a story.
6: Yeah, we are. Before jumping into it, I want to just put my nose into the nuisance issue. Yeah, sure. Battery, of course. I, I've been a former mayor for 22 years, mm-hmm. being M&L president and FCM president and this committee chair, blah, blah, blah. I I think the issue in the battery is a nuisance. Uh, obviously, it's no different than, you know, uh, uncomfortable smells, uh, loud noises or thick smoke. And I think the city of St. John's uh, really needs to get his head around how to deal with it. And I agree with John Abbott. If there's a, a need to be a change in uh, in the act, let's do it quickly. But I also agree with uh, Mayor Breen. Whom I'm, I know Mr. Abbott well. I know Mr. Breen really well. Yeah. And uh, the bottom line is that... Uh, You know, the the city of Saint John's, unlike other, not unlike other places in the province, have been asking for a new act for many, many years, and the province needs to move that forward as well. So this is where my issue is. But it's it's sort of—I think it meets every—the the the big lights booming through your window at night uh, meets every definition, in my opinion, of a nuisance. There's no doubt about that. Yeah.
0: Sam, just just because you are outside of the city and you are a a mayor of a a well-known or former mayor of a well-known community. That uh, has had its own story and its own challenges, because I've been asking this: Should people outside the city care about this story? And if so, what should they care about in the story?
6: Oh, I think I think the the story is pan-provincial, really. I don't think it's parochial okay. to uh, Saint to the battery or to Saint John's in isolation. Uh, for example, it could be my neighbor across the street tomorrow shining lights in my windows all night long mm-hmm. because he doesn't like something I did or doesn't like me, whatever the issue might be. And I find, no, this is not a battery issue in isolation, or nor is it a St. John's issue. It's a nuisance issue. So I think under the, the act, when the new act comes down, it should be down – really, it should have been down years ago, really. I worked on the act 20 years ago, and it's still not really You know, – there is no new act. People got to remember, too, that St. John's – the city of St. John's, city of Cornerbrook, city of Mount Peru have their own acts. Mm-hmm. So the city of St. John's Act is not the Municipalities Act, but Marystown, for example, and all the other towns are operate under the Municipalities Act, so there's different legislation. But the bottom line, yeah, don't, these are nuisance issues, and I don't know anybody involved. I don't know any parties, so I don't offer any opinion on mm-hmm. who I like or who I don't like. But the bottom line is that lights going in through your window 24 hours a day at, at high resolution – it obviously meets the definition of a nuisance. There's no doubt about that. So, Tim, pa- uh, if I didn't like you, I guess I'd go to Ottawa and I'd buy a, <laughs> a car across the street, right? And I'd, put, I'd put 2,000 fluorescent lights in my window and make your life miserable, right?
0: <laughs> my cat would like it, Sam, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't like it. Uh, <laughs> you're right, and living on Avondale Avenue, maybe I've, I fall under the Newfoundland and Labrador Municipalities Act. Anyway, speaking of nuisances, air travel. So tell us. What's going on uh, as it relates to you and WestJet and uh, your your travails? Well,
6: basically, my wife and I left Newfoundland in the middle of November, would have went to Europe, mostly Portugal, nice, pleasant trip. Uh, Made our way back across the Atlantic Ocean on a cruise ship, went to New York, met our way to New York, went to LaGuardia uh, mm-hmm. Functional Airport, unlike Toronto Airport, so LaGuardia is Functional And we ended up in Toronto on December 18th on a Sunday evening. Mm -hmm. And we waited in the lounge for the status of the airline. And, of course, our flight was delayed, delayed, delayed. And then it was canceled. So then it all started. So I was on WestJet Flight 328. Uh, mm-hmm. direct flight, actually, from, St. John, from Toronto to St. John's, basically leaving 8 o'clock in the evening, getting in St. John's one thirty in the morning on the 19th of December. So the flight was canceled, so we all congregated like you would at the gate and so on, mm-hmm. and we waited around for hours, and finally the uh, representative came in and said, okay, this is a mechanical issue in St. John's. The plane never left St. John's, therefore it never got in Toronto, therefore it can't go back to St. John's. So we'll give you a hotel what? voucher and some food vouchers, fine. So we all go back to yeah. the hotel and make the best of a night in, in in Toronto, you know. And not the end of the world. Next day we all go back again and I go into the airport around maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. And there's a lineup for us only for the Newfoundland 328 line. I'm going to call it. Oh and the lineup my. has maybe a hundred plus people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are kids on the floor plane or people who are not ambulatory in wheelchairs. Older people, so on and so forth. And, uh, Tim, we wait seven hours in the lineup.
0: What? Seven hours? Wow.
6: Nobody from WestJet. The manager came out. He presented himself as a manager. I'm sure he was. Uh, He said, I apologize. It's going to take a while to get through the process. And this is where we were. So uh, we waited seven hours in the lineup. The lineup only—the lineup wasn't get back to get back to Newfoundland and Labrador. The lineup was: we're going to give you another voucher for food, and another Jesus. hotel voucher, and come back tomorrow and line up again for seven hours to get the new—the voucher for the next day, and what? the hotel. So I sort of became in my own little group. I sort of became being a type A personality
0: person. <laughs> the ringleader—is that what you're trying to say, Sam? I became you became the, the
6: person ring- for the group and sort of saying <laughs> this is not right. There's something fundamentally. wrong. Of course. Wrong. And I couldn't, you know, I can't. You can't sit back and watch injustice walk by. No, your no. House. And so, you know, I sort of became the spokesperson and said, "There's something wrong here." So lo and behold, the bottom line is that WestJet, in that process, that seven-hour wait, WestJet offered us nothing, no bottles of water, no chairs to sit mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating. But a lot of some video video. People video videotaped it on their phone, and I did some videos as well. Um Everybody's really polite. Being Newfoundlanders, Labradorians, we're super polite, super courteous to the people working with WestJet. But seven hours is a long time in a lineup to get new vouchers. And the bottom line. So in our case, in my spouse and I, our cases, they say you can't get out until the 23rd of December. But come back every day, and I'll give you a new voucher. What? Come, come back? back. Oh
0: my God! Every
6: day for seven hours. I'm better off going downtown Toronto and getting, going yeah. to the Royal York Hotel and making, the, you know, make a vacation of You know, oh no, yeah. you got to come back every day, and you can't go to the Royal York Hotel. I'm saying like, why not? Because we only reimburse you 150. <laughs> like, but if, I can get a hotel in front of her 150.
0: Yeah, good luck. You might get a, might get a, a portion of a closet in Toronto for I might, 150.
6: I might get into the front foyer of the, uh, the Royal York Hotel for 150, right? I might be allowed to go into the foyer and buy a, buy a coffee, right? So i have this discussion with managers, and they're super polite, and they're super frustrated as well. So right in front of me, I said to the manager, you know, you've violated – not you personally, but WestJet has just violated six or seven sections of the APPR. Yep. You know the Air passenger's Protection Regulation. Sure, sure, right. Yep. And I'm saying, like, why? He said, Well, no information, no attempt to rebook the other flights, zero communication. You know, over and over again. And he's just he's he's as frustrated as I am. He said, Sir, I have no idea. Because usually in this case, the company would send a new plane to pick you up. Yes, that's right. Like a rescue plane. That's what industry calls it. And we'd take it to St. John's the next day, and everybody would get off the plane. you would be 24 hours delayed. So in our case, my wife and I locked into a flight just by accident on the 21st. In fact, when I was going back to the airport. In fact, it was long story short.
0: And he, uh, yeah, yeah, have got about two minutes, Sam. I got about two minutes.
6: No problem. I was on my way down. So I said, I said to my wife, let's make, let's make the best of this. We're at the Sheraton Hotel at the airport, mm-hmm. Dixon Road. I said, well, listen, we're going to go down and watch the, the Leafs are playing Tampa tonight. We'll go down and buy some <laughs> tickets for <to> the game. <laughs> You know, make the best of it. Uh, so I said, we'll get on. The, I actually booked. I actually paid for an, an train tickets, just the, the gold train, of course, from from the yeah. airport downtown. And so I said, I'll pop in the airport for a second to see how the crew were getting on. So I go in, and the girl says, uh, we're putting on a plane tonight. I said, okay, cool. So my wife and I got home on the 21st. Some people got home on the 23rd. Some people didn't get home until the 26th. It was quite a Oh, phase.
0: my God.
6: Zero communications from WestJet. But the point is, vis-a-vis the class action potential lawsuit, is that WestJet has already turned down people's requests for compensation in total violation of the act. Yeah. I think people contact me in the last number of days saying, uh, Sam. I applied for compensation, $1,000 for the delay, uh, my compensation for a reroute in my own flight to a different carrier, and wish it says zero, no, not going to deal with you, go away. So, Tim, the bottom line is that there has to be some repercussions here. Like, Minister Omar al uh,
0: uh, El- just yeah. can't
6: get there and say this is unacceptable because I think the minister's comments are unacceptable.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, this whole thing, and not just—it's not just been WestJet. Your, your horror was with WestJet. and Many of the airlines it's just been awful. We got stranded three days in Newark, my son and I. Thankfully, I worked with a travel agent, and it worked out fine. But I was very lucky. Other people were not as lucky. And it, a lot of people—I don't—I'm sure you saw it, Sam, at the airports, whether they be Toronto, Newark, LaGuardia. Like people were strung out, stressed, and anxious. Like I've never seen traveling. You and I have traveled for a long time, and I have never seen the anxiety that people were feeling and a lack of understanding demonstrated by senior leadership in different airlines towards that uh, that anxiety. Anyway, keep us updated uh, on this. So, so Go ahead. 30 uh, I'm seconds.
6: Focused, I'm focused only on WestJet 328. I'm not focused on the big storm in
0: Vancouver
6: yeah. and Calgary. It's a mechanical issue, WestJet 328 out of St. John's, to Toronto. So under mechanical issues under the Act, they have to meet some standards of care. Yes. And uh, Bob Buckingham, we all know Bob really Really well, Mr. Buckingham. Bob has sort of agreed to look at taking the case on as a class action suit. So I would recommend anybody who was on WestJet 328, uh, December 18th, leaving Toronto, going to St. John's, to contact Mr. Buckingham or to contact me, and okay. we'll move forward with a class action lawsuit. Uh, a saying is unacceptable is no longer acceptable. It's got some, we need to do something with you know, it. You can't
0: get away with it. I, I agree with that. Because yeah. that's what happens. We all just complain about it, then we rebook flights and go through. often go through similar troubles all right well, gotta leave it there sam
6: let's test uh, let's test the regulations the regulations have no cheat let's test the regulations and more important let's test the uh, the uh, the duty of care that carriers like west jet and air canada have two passengers in canada
0: all right leave it there good to talk to you sorry take about care. the uh, the agonizing journey take yes, care
6: we'll and have a coffee one of those days tim take care everybody
0: Okay, bye. That was Sam Sinyard, former mayor of Marystown, telling his story of airline harrowing experiences. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. Back with your calls after that. Welcome back. Going to go to line two, Sean. Nuisance laws. You want to weigh in. Go ahead. There, Sean? Yeah, you there? Yeah, go ahead, Sean.
7: Yeah, sorry. This morning.
0: I'm all right, sir. How are you?
7: Good. I live in Paradise, and I'm having the same kind of issue with the lights. Really? Okay. And I can show you pictures. Um, uh, people. Uh, I just think it's ridiculous. I'm after phoning the police. It hasn't been now since August, since the last incident.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: And I went out one night in August around eight thirty in the evening. The lights. Two of my neighbours accusing my home of legal activity. Erin um, was living there with me used to come home uh, from work at around 11 o'clock in the evening she used to smoke have her supper go out and have a smoke they'd be having lights out there hmm. but on August 15th the last time uh, the police came there I went out it was a nice evening I was going to go out and water my flowers and stuff I went out and I tripped up because of these lights
0: really? where the cables oh, of the I lights were up in my yeah.
7: patio hooked my knee I phoned the police Um. The police are useless when it comes to this. I'm after getting a lawyer. The town have been great. I'm after speaking to the mayor. Their staff have been out. But... Um... So anyway, I'm going to tell you the story. The night I went out on the 15th, I called the police again. This has been going on. I called the police a dozen times about these lights for two years.
0: And, Sean, just just um, before I continue in the story, just just so people understand the context, had you talked to the the neighbors and whomever had the lights at all to, to ask them to oh, yes, stop?
7: Well, yes, we used to talk a little bit. But okay. then we started okay. getting, getting on about my house being uh, 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 legal activity going on. And okay. it's not whatsoever. Accusing me that I got fired from my job. Stuff like this, this is good stuff, and they don't even know me. This was a rental property. I just moved back there a few years ago.
3: Okay.
7: Um,
8: So So go ahead with the story.
7: I tripped up up because of these lights, My, my balance and everything. I got very upset that night. I sprayed his lights that were pointed at my thing. He also got a camera pointed at my backyard. I sprayed the camera. Out come this man that my lawyers are after sending letters to, wasting my money, and getting nowhere. He threatened me. Threatened that he was going to kill me. So anyway, make a long story short, about 10 minutes later, he's in on my patio trying to assault me. I phoned the police again. This is the second time within a half hour. The police came there, and there was absolutely nothing they can do. It's a civil matter. And I think it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I heard the man just call a little while ago saying, because of your character, that these people got the right. That's what police are for. If they, like, they got no right to put lights up. It. And I can show you my son. They had them up at my bedroom windows. My property lit up like sprung greenhouse.
3: Yeah, was joking about. Sp- I went
7: out there in August 15 and tripped up. Because what would you do? I sprayed his light that was coming at my house. And he got a camera pointed at my my yard.
0: Uh, interesting. So, to, just it stop for security. a sec for for a second, Sean. So, I mean, the act of spraying them, they he didn't take that up with you as being an act of vandalism and mention that to the police. And I, I know why you did it. I but some might say that's vandalism. He didn't mention that to the police. What what was his response to why, what he, you what did? He's he's lucky, okay. He's lucky I never did more to his lights. There's only so much when you're tripping up in
7: your own property. Because some nuisance don't even know you. He's accusing you and your character of stuff.
0: So I is this a, so is this a bit of a game of chicken now on, on his part or your part? He's wanting you to move or you're wanting him to move? I mean, it it shouldn't get to this, but it sounds like it's getting to that point, is it?
7: Um, it's been good since August, since this last okay. incident. Because I'm not tolerating. I'm not wasting my heart and money with lawyers no more. I am not calling the police no more. If this keeps on continuing, I'm going to take matters in my own hand. Just to be honest with you, I'm not going to waste money with lawyers when someone can do whatever they want and accuse you what you want and come in on your property because you sprayed these lights and you're after telling them like, to, to give it up and you're after sending them your, your like, letters from your lawyer and all they want to do is keep accusing you of, of who you are and you don't even know you. Like, I'm I, retired. I, yep. can, I can go out in my backyard at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, as long as you respect your neighbors, as Aaron, you said. Everyone
7: as... used to come home from work, 11 o'clock, I'm mm-hmm. kidding you not, during the pandemic, yeah. come in and have some supper, get a shower, go out in, my, out in the shed, put up the door, have a cigarette, or maybe two sometimes, get on her phone, do her Facebook or emails or whatever, phone her girl. Yeah, but
0: she's her. not having a party there as you're describing it.
7: No parties, no dogs, no children, quiet as anything. Yeah. I'm not kidding you.
0: Well, and, I would say, just, just a sec, Sean, talk? Sean, hang on for a sec, please, okay. just for a moment. I, I would just say two things. I wouldn't, uh, and I'm not a lawyer, but I would imagine a, a lawyer would probably suggest to you you don't uh, publicly talk about spraying the, the cameras and the lights because that may be an act of vandalism that gets you in trouble. And I'd be careful on the open airways about talking about taking your matters into your own hands. And then I wouldn't suggest that either. But just, I get your frustration. I'm just trying to. What do to, you do, though, sir? What do you do when someone's out there threatening? You. Yeah. I, I get your frustration. Totally get your frustration. I'm just it's saying
7: so much people down to the battery are gonna take it, Yeah, you know you're down there and someone got lights and you can't go to sleep. That's down that's not that's not right. You yeah. can't set Works out if the dog is out barking, there's a bylaw. Mm-hmm. And I think and I can and I can go, John Abbott. That man, you know, I hope people try to push it through the provincial government. Mm-hmm. Hats off to the man. Okay. He understands what's going on? And I can right, the council don't see what's going on.
0: Yeah, no, there, there's. A, you're making a good point about common sense, and the, 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 the council's defense is, well, we can't just respond to every complaint. I, I, I don't know, this seems to be somewhat different. Anyway, I'll give you 30 seconds, because i got to go to news. Anything else you'd like to add?
7: No, I hope that someone do push it, and I hope that, you know, that the law comes down. These people don't have the right. You worked all your life, and you be lighting up when you want to go to sleep or go out in your yard, and you can't see. You're not allowed to go on the highway and have your high beams flashing someone's up yeah. when they're driving. So how can you do in someone's much so property? Thanks for your
0: time. Thank you, Sean. Take care. All right. Pretty passionate call from Sean. Uh, And uh, he gave you an example of what he's going through. If the other person involved in that story wants to call, they're welcome to do so. We want to be careful not to get anybody in trouble here or incite any uh, inappropriate or violent behavior. But we get people's frustrations. We'll let them air it in a respectful way here on Open Line. Speaking of respect, let's respect the clock and time for the news here on VOCM's Open Line.
4: Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM.
0: Welcome back. Tim Powers in for Patty. We're going to go now talk to Bill on Line 1. Bill, you want to talk about city permits. How are you this morning?
9: Nope, uh, just let me take our speaker (laughs) phone.
0: Probably a good thing. How are you today? I I am okay. What what uh, what about city permits has got you entrusted?
9: Well, I tell you what. Uh, if I if I can say anything positive about the uh, girlfriend and neighbors, is uh, I've got quite the education this year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in, in the municipal permitting and regulatory process.
9: Oh boy! Every <laughs> I I really feel for that last guy. Because <laughs> I, I, I I know the problem, and uh, I, I'll start to be, be uh, yeah. Go ahead. quickly, uh, the, the, I was repairing the girlfriend's fence. Uh, asked the neighbors if they were interested in, like, like you would when you share a yep. boundary, and they weren't interested. I said, "Don't sweat at all." We went to do it, and just to avoid any any problems, I, I kept inside the measured survey line, and uh, I. I I, I do civil work and drawings, right now. So I kind of have a sense of what I was doing. And anyway, long story short, as I was taking measurements and doing stuff, it was like literally sabotage, blah blah blah. So anyway, that's, that's all well and good. Got uh, I got very educated. Went down, spent an hour down the city permit office. Was quite confident <laughs> in what I was doing, and it it just kept on going and kept on going. And uh, 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 so then the I got reported to the city and uh, no sweat. I invited them in. Nothing around with my fence. Thank you very much. Have a good day. And, uh, uh, well, was it Bruce Lee? said, uh, the real superpower is leaving Bob. And, and I, I, did, I did lose my cool one day because I was there by okay. myself and three people. And all I did was state in self defense, but so of course, <laughs> the, then of course the then, then the RNC got involved. They come and the same same thing. Oh let my me, and, Oh yeah. So so then we stuck. I I got cameras and everything and photos the neighbors and whatnot. So the evidence is all there. So there's no. I said the the RNC officer. I mean, I got. Uh, see, uh, sought legal counsel. And he, because uh, he wanted m- my forties v- and whatnot. And I said, you know what? You okay. just tell them if we got to, we'll see each other in court. And today, open up a letter, and there's a complaint <laughs> to the fire department about a fire pit. That if it misses any regulations, uh, I'm also a volunteer firefighter, dep- so I get some sort of sense of it. Uh, the, uh, the, the if there's any little thing wrong with this uh this specifically bought city fire pit and anyway i'll get that fixed too but what i'm wondering is like is there some <laughs> is there some way to just like address all of these like this is almost there's borderline harassment, right
0: it's uh, look. Uh, I know from a business I operate here in Ottawa that I'll tell you it's it's no better. Like the permitting issues you have to go through, and all of the. It's, I, mean, I mean, why is it the way it is? One, yes, they're important laws, but two, they're money, right? Every time you go in and you get a new permit, you're getting, you get you got to pay for it. It's they're, they're revenue grabs, but they're. I mean, we're talking about automatizing uh, all of our, our 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 government data and everything like that you think this this stuff would would be easier the other thing that strikes me um as i listen to your call is boy uh, where's what's happening with neighbor civility you know the fence issue as you describe it is not a major life-changing issue so why can't people solve these things without the rnc without the law being called without the municipality being what is wrong with people
9: well, I, and I, you know what? And uh, I can describe it like this: there's uh, there's two sides to every story, of course. Of course. I all know that. But the uh, the the property next to this one borders one, two, three other properties, and guess
0: how many are fighting with? <laughs> all of them.
9: <laughs> you got it, buddy.
0: I mean, so I look. Uh, I mean, property fights to me. <laughs> if if you if you watch Yellowstone or any of that series, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not recommending anybody take them to the hotel as they do at Yellowstone. But uh, uh, but property rackets have gone on in, in time in memoriam.
9: Yeah. No. And that's it. But what I'm saying, it's like I'm after waste, wasting wasted so much time. No, don't get me wrong. I like learning new stuff. But uh, it's, 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 it's just, you know, it's like it's a constant. It's like there's someone like you can say, OK, this 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 crosses is law and harassment. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, you've create you give me a business business idea. Now I'm going to launch a municipal mediation service and get everybody together. And you know what? If we need to get the octagon in there to solve it, maybe we have to do that, too. Anyway, I will leave it there. Bill, good luck. <laughs>
9: Uh, okay, if, and if anybody can offer in, in, any information to like to take all of this, like okay, RNC, city department office, fire for department, what the heck is next? So like, can, can I put can I put in, in like is there a way to okay, yep. this this is harassment. Can we stop this?
0: Yep. yep. Uh, if anybody can answer Bill's question, we'll take you on. All right, Bill. Good luck. And thanks for br- referencing Bruce Lee. Now that's the first for me on Open Line. Well done. You're bringing me back to those old movies. Good, good stuff today, Bill. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye. All right, Dave, what I'm going to do is take an early break now, and then we'll do Charlie, Benny, and Tom Davis after that. Time for a break here on Open Line. Back with Charlie, Benny, and Tom after. Welcome back. All right, we're going to try and get in three callers who've been waiting patiently. We'll start with Charlie, who's got a lot on his mind. We'll see if we can get it in. Charlie, you want to talk about Martin Luther King Day, which was yesterday, Uh, Governor Santos, I'm assuming, and nuisance law. A lot of topics. Let's see what we can get through, Charlie.
8: Okay, good morning, Tim. Uh, I'll be very quick on, on three or four here now.
0: Okay, you go ahead.
8: St. John's lights. Uh, they must be very law-abiding citizens in, in, in St. John's. Because an hour time, we would have uh, played yeah. a well-placed rock or 22. Those lights would have been uh, history.
0: But, now, uh, now, Charlie, I have to give you the re- the, the rejoinder here. Don't encourage violence or vigilantism. No, I, I know your name's Charlie, but I don't want Charles Bronson today. Anyway, keep going. <laughs>
8: okay Santos I never thought there would be a bigger liar than Trump liar <laughs> and, uh, Santos uh, has, has got him beat by a country mile mm. uh, you know Canadian politics is so boring I I, I I can't I get caught up in that stuff down south and I can't even listen to it as' stuff here in Canada so I don't hear you very much on TV there but anyway what can I do right
0: uh, you got to feed your addiction man uh, I mean Governor Santos will 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 do that as you say some Wackadoodle stuff in Canadian terms comes out of his mouth.
8: Well, they'll get him on 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 the money thing. He, he can't escape that because he did get money from 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 the Russians. No, no, no joke about it. On on the Martin Luther King, I heard yes. something very interesting. I thought it was a speech he gave. Uh, I think it was in it was in the seventies. I'm not sure about that. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And um, he said basically, they gave us freedom emancipation, and they gave us a famine. Now, this is what I didn't hear. They were giving land to uh, white settlers, peasants from, from Europe, okay. all over the West and Midwest, but they wouldn't give the blacks any land. They wouldn't give them an economic base. So you can see why many mm-hmm. of them stayed mm-hmm. with, on plantations with their—and I, I didn't realize that before. I thought the land was open to, uh, to, to these people as well.
0: But it so makes you- sense, it makes sense as, as, as he describes it, that that's what would have happened. I hadn't heard that either. I guess I never inquired about it. Yeah, keep going, Charlie. That's very interesting.
8: Yeah, if you look at uh, people talking about reparations these days, I know uh, King didn't think of it probably at that time, but that's a very, very good yeah. case that can be made for reparations for, uh, for people who are descendants of slaves. But anyway, uh, you can see now why a lot of people don't want CRT, critical race theory, taught in schools either. Because if you bring all this stuff up, you can see what's happened there. Make, make no wonder many minorities is, uh, have turned to crime uh, to, to, to realize the American dream, right?
0: Well, I, I, be careful with, with, with that statement. I, I understand you with the way in which you mean it and the circumstances that have led to people to make choices that they wouldn't normally make had they had different opportunities. Your point of reparations is a fascinating one because there is a lot that uh, different oppressed American Populations could learn from the uh, the reaction of Canadian Indigenous peoples to the travesties and misjustices they had to deal with, because they have demonstrated, um, though frustrating for them on many occasions, the, uh, the that the, the court and legal action can prove fruitful in trying to address historical misdeeds.
8: He also said, uh, good point. He also said that. Uh they say they told us to pull ourselves up by a boot by our bootstraps. He said it's hard to pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you don't have any boots, right?
0: Boots, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, uh, uh, Martin I, Luther I, King is a fascinating historical figure, and, and it's unfortunate in some ways that the, the day to remember him comes so quickly after the holiday period because January yeah. is such a quiet time. There's so much he did uh, and so much he uh, did in terms of activism and, um, and pushing to the end of emancipation and the like in the U.S that more is deserved to be said of him, not just in the cold months of January. Anyway, appreciate the call as always, Charlie.
8: Can I make uh, d- just two? 30 points.
0: seconds. Yeah. All right. Go ahead.
8: The alcohol, the alcohol guidelines. Can you imagine what would happen to 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 the alcohol, uh, the uh, beverage industry and the other sections of it if if half the people follow those guidelines?
0: Oh, it would be decimating.
8: It it certainly would be. Anyway, sir, uh, have you skated on the Rideau Canal yet?
0: Not frozen enough yet. It's not done yet. Soon, soon they're hoping. I've I've played a lot of outdoor hockey, but the canal's not done yet.
8: Okay. Thanks, Tim.
0: Take care, Charlie. All right. That was Charlie. A lot of uh, interesting topics, important topics covered there. Benny, holiday flights. You uh, went through an ordeal?
10: Good morning to you, Tim.
0: Morning, sir. How uh, how was your holiday travel? Then I'm not. I'm, I'm guessing not
10: good. It was absolutely horrible. I was flying for 35 years, oh. and this was the most uh, horrifying flight I've ever encountered. Uh, long story short, Tim, uh, we got uh, rescheduled there on our flight from Toronto to uh, Deer Lake. Okay. And. The pilot came on the intercom just as we were over in Montreal and said, Oh, we got to go back to Toronto. He said, I don't think the mechanisms for de icing my wings is working. Gee,
4: he so told you this in midair?
10: In the air. In the oh. air. <laughs> so, long story short, oh my we, got God. The we all spent 27 hours there. We got a flight out uh, the next morning on AC 1550. Oh, and wow. when we got to Deer Lake, the carousel was dumping off our luggage and the carousel stopped and we watched our luggage being pulled back to the warehouse. So we went to the uh, Air Canada agents and they just took off. They didn't even stay. They just said, we don't know where your baggage is. And we said, well, look, we just watched it being pulled away. So, long story short, we had to get the RCMP to come in and de address the baggage handlers, go back, get their bags, bring it out on the floor, let them sort through it, and let them go home and do it now. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing.
0: I, I can tell you having so the first week of January I was home in St. John's so I went through Toronto and on the way back I went through Montreal then later that week I had to go to Vancouver uh, so I went through Canada's three biggest airports and it was a sea of baggage in all the airports uh, it was crazy.
10: I don't know how the carrier can book tickets knowing that the baggage handlers are in dispute, whether it be with the union or – I don't get it. Like, it's selfishness, right?
0: Yeah, and and they were all called before a parliamentary committee last week, as you know, and I don't know know how effective that was in trying to address your problem and the litany of other problems that are present in, in the air travel industry these days.
10: Yeah, like I say, in saying that, I would think that uh, the passengers should receive at least an apology, if not uh, a compensation in the form of some monies returned, right?
0: Benny, did like you get, apology. did you get, before you, before, just a sec, I want to know if you got this, because this is my favorite airline saying, we thank you for your patience. How many times did you hear we thank you for your patience as your head was about to pop off?
10: <laughs> it was unbelievable, it, man. Uh, like, my, my phone was just redlining with, with emails from them, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't I don't get it. And now they're sending me uh, flight offers and discounts. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't want to fly you guys. Like, give me some compensation here for the horror that I witnessed, right? Uh, Anyways, so before I let you go there, Tim, yep. uh, there was a feisty little newfie at the airport. Yeah. Uh, she said to the baggage handler, and security, she said, get my bag, she says, I I want to go to F home. And she (laughs) says, "If if anyone's flying Air Canada, she said... Uh, make sure you only go with the clothes you got on because you're not getting your babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good for her. I hope she got home. She certainly made her point. All right, you're Betty. Six,
10: five, five days on the road. Did you hear along the lines if there's any compensation? Uh,
0: uh, what what Al, Al Gabra, the transport minister, said last week, they're working on rules to try and address this. The airline executives didn't really say that much uh, about whether there would be. You have the ombudsperson who you can file a complaint with but I don't know if you saw the stats last week. It'll be a year and a half before your complaint gets heard because I think they have 35,000 of them, and that was before you guys went through what you went through. Anyway, got to leave it there, Benny. Good luck, man. Uh, Be ready for those air travels. Thank you.
10: For sure, man. Take care.
0: Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. We did it. Now we're going to go to Tom, Tom Davis. Uh, Tom, how are you this morning? And thank you for your help yesterday. Uh, I'm pointing out what I didn't know about the Newfoundland pharmacists. Appreciate that.
11: Yeah you're, yeah, you're welcome, Tim, and Happy New Year. Uh, you yeah, too. I, I, I just, I'll say that on the air because I think a lot of people don't realize that pharmacists since 2015 have been able to prescribe for 29 ailments. And um, and some of them are the type of things you probably trottle off to your GP for. Now, whether yeah. they want to do it or not, I mean, that's between the pharmacists,
0: I guess, and their patients. But mm-hmm. so Speaking of pharmacists and drugs, you want to talk a little bit about uh, vitamin D this morning?
11: Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, you know, as part of our situation in Newfoundland Labrador, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've been advocating for the fact that a lot of our issues are, are either through omission or through um, maybe choosing convenience over... Offer healthy choices, but but for sure, vitamin D. I mean, most people think they go out in the sun and they generate vitamin D, but that only in northern climates that only works for about half the year because uh, UVB uh, doesn't mm-hmm. penetrate. Which is what we need. UVB, UVA is what you get your sunburns mm-hmm. from, but UVB is what the body generates. So so really, every Newfoundlander and even children, because there's actually evidence that that taking uh, vitamin D when you're young will reduce the chance of type one um, diabetes as well as MS and cancers and all kinds of Mm -hmm. things. So, you know, I encourage Newfoundlanders and Labradorians to... If you're not taking a vitamin D supplement, and of course you want to consult with your doctor, there is some, some counter-indications when combined with certain drugs, but um,
0: everybody should be looking at at least 1,000 IUs. I'm a proud vitamin D user, have been for a long time. Uh, my mother and I, both Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, as people know, suffered from, uh, from melanoma. So your point about the relationship with the sun, we're both well, we're both fine. I've not had recurrences, touch wood, but uh, a lot of that also goes up to how you manage your vitamin D and and take care of your cancer risk. But as you say, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Tom. Do the scientific research. Talk to uh, your doctor, and they will give you guidance better than both of us can guide you on that matter. All right, gratitude. You wanted to give some gratitude, Tom.
11: Well, my big thing is, you know, obviously right now we've got a challenge, and and you draw a straight line between um, baggage handlers and nurses, and it's really the same thing. It's it's at the end of the day, everybody is choosing quality of life or work life balance whatever you want to put in the quotation marks and it's changing the way everything is working and unfortunately other than the people who on some level are getting the same pay and maybe have the same lifestyles it's not benefiting the outcome which is how we interact with it and and it's 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 ironic or maybe disingenuous we you know when we and a lot of the people who are probably having these travel woes probably also in their work aren't working to the same degree either if they reflect upon it maybe not working as long as hard as focused Mm -hmm. and whatever else and that's why when you look around um, things aren't working whether it's immigration or it's uh, uh, you know
0: baggage passport office uh, there's a whole bunch of things on and on on.
11: and and we all know anecdotally but also personally how that's having an effect so so you know what what my wife always tells me and that's her secret she says to within her life is being grateful and being grateful for what we have, and I think a lot of times um, the gratitude is lost. I mean, we reflect on how lucky we are just to have whatever health we have. Even I know a lot of people are suffering. It's you know, as a lot of people say, you're on this side of God's green earth, or and but also you know, just thinking back that we're not in a war zone. You know, we're not having to walk three miles to and carry water. You know, gather firewood to cook our our food and. But I, I mean I think you, you extend that out to realize that we need to be grateful for the people who provide these services, but they also need to be grateful for the opportunity to provide the services because we all work together and, mm-hmm. and somehow we have to connect those dots and people need to figure out their role and their place in society because and, and, it's it's, you can see the decline mm-hmm. you know and it's druma- and it's dramatic and you know you go and sue. To sue the airlines, but you can imagine being the CEO of a company now trying to motivate people. I mean, the premier yep. has the same problem, trying to motivate people to save our lives, let alone transport us around the world. So, you know, just call on people to try and find their place and reflect upon that.
0: Yeah, it's a great message, and sadly, I think there's lots of evidence to unfortunately suggest it, and we're seeing some anecdotally or hearing some anecdotally this morning. The decline of civility is real. It's not imaginary, and kindness, compassion, even when you're frustrated, even when you're struggling, are uh, vital things that uh, we certainly learn from from our parents and need to carry that lesson forward. Anyway, I will, will stop preaching, but your message is important. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate the call today. Thank you, Tim. Take care, everyone. Bye All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back uh, to, in the turn the lights off discussion, we have a key proponent, uh, Deputy Mayor Sheila O'Leary, who brought the motion to council last night uh, concerning the uh, desire to get a nuisance bylaw in place to deal with those lights in the outer battery sheila will join us after the break here on vocm's open line
4: got plans for midnight bring your vocm along with the best soundtrack for every night anywhere the vocm all night show midnight on your vocm
0: okay welcome back as promised we're going to go right to the lines and talk to uh, the deputy mayor of saint John, sheila o'leary sheila how are you today
12: well, good morning, Tim.
0: Good morning to you. Are the lights on or off in your world this morning?
12: Oh, you know what? They're a little bit dulled, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit dulled, but, uh, you know, never given up on uh, on uh, trying to support residents, right? You know, it's uh, it's been a long, uh, long, um, you know, deliberation. And it's not over
0: yet. So I got parachuted into this yesterday. I'd seen a little bit of it, and as you know, our family home is not too far from that area. I'm going to check it out if the lights are still on when I get home in a week or so. But um, how has this gotten to this place where it's seemingly impossible to find a quick solution to the issue of the, the light complaints that have come forward?
12: Well, the we, the, the bottom line is that we, there's two, two factors. Okay. We have an antiquated city act, um, which we've been lobbying the province for for decades to try to get more legislative control. Uh, you know, we, we get a lot of issues that come to us and we don't have the capability to enforce. Okay. So, uh, that's been a very frustrating process for many years for those of us who've been around for a bit. Um, but that so that's the overarching uh, kind of uh, issue. But, um, you know, and full kudos to the folks of the outer battery, the residents who have been bringing forward their concerns for many, many months now. Uh, they are the ones that really dug in deep and did the research. Did a lot of jurisdictional scans, uh, did tips to find out about complaints around the city when, you know, it was kind of, you know, uh, commented that there weren't very many lighting issues throughout the city, et cetera. And the reality is that there have been quite a substantial number of complaints. Uh, other municipalities uh, have nuisance lighting bylaws. and uh, But the argument, of course, of my colleagues uh, is that we should be waiting for the City Act to uh, to address and you know what i i i, I don't think that was uh, the the action that needed to be taken i th- i think that we had to be more proactive and mha john abbott who has also been in the media as of late uh, has been trying to respond to the residents as well and he said that if the city of st johns asked the province to amend the city act to bring in a nuisance bylaw he would he would see it get to the house of assembly in march he told the residents that and brought that forward in the in the media so i took that opportunity for action so uh, that's why i put the motion forward
0: now, j- just a couple of things. So uh, you, you can better explain this than, uh, than anyone else I've talked to today, uh, simply because of your experience there at the city. Th- this um, Section 377 is not a tool that can be employed. You don't have, uh, whether it's 377 or something else, uh, an element under the Municipal- St. John's Act that allows for um, uh, an urgent expeditious one-off action.
12: Well, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced but that's certainly the recommendations of our legal team and uh, and council council uh, you know has certainly taken that recommendation to heart so um, so that's why making an amendment was really the the best next step. Let's you know we need to be clear on this you know making new laws uh if making an amendment to the city act would uh you know entail some time and research for sure. Um, and it wouldn't be applicable necessarily to the people in the outer battery in their particular situation because it can't be retroactive, right? Um, but they knew that when they came uh, to uh, City Hall yesterday, and the, the supporters and the, the people who were protesting at council, they were very—they uh, uh, were very cognizant of the fact that this might not help them in their situation, but it really has brought uh, it to the attention of everybody including council um, that there is this deficiency uh, in our regulations and uh, it it, you know for the benefit of the city as as a whole uh, this would be something worth worth pursuing
0: so where do we go from here Sheila? sorry to interrupt you where 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 do we go from here your motion was defeated and as you say your colleagues have provided some rationale as to why and they can Mm -hmm. uh, explain that to the public as they have Um, the, the province potentially could deal with this if the city go revi- revisits your motion or finds another way to refer it to uh, to the provincial government for March is so are we just kind of in a are the, is, it, is this in a holding pattern at the moment I'm sure the public pressure will continue but where, where are we now
12: OK, well, you know, first of all, the, the residents in terms of their actions, obviously, there's lots of civil litigation that's happening. Yes, so that'll, that. that'll play itself out in the courts. But in regards to the city of St. John's and the action that takes place there, well, the mayor, about an hour before uh, the motion was discussed at the meeting, came forward with the possibility that it could be covered under a provincial environmental act. Um, you know, um, I, that would be fabulous if it was, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, So that is something to be investigated. The other thing is, I want to follow up with our legal team and executive staff to ensure that this draft of our municipal act that is being told to the city of St. John's by Municipal Affairs is looking like it will be updated in the fall of 2024. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. But you know what? I am hopeful that, that we're nearing... You know, some conclusion soon, but still, it's a, it's a waiting game. And uh, but my concern is to ensure that now that that the motion has been defeated, that we uh, are, are sure that nuisance lighting is actually going to be covered in the new act. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Because yes. we're all holding our horses until this actually comes forward um, and the act is uh, is renewed, and it de- desperately needs to be. But I just want to make sure that, that the nuisance bylaw uh, for lighting and other issues such as generator noise. We've got a yeah, lot generator of noise is a big one. that's a big issue as well, too. So these are the things that we want to make sure are in there. And so that's what I'm going to be doing is following up to make sure that those issues are covered if and when we ever do get a new city act.
0: Now, just before I let you go, uh, one caller raised something very interesting this morning, and that's about the application of the word nuisance. Neither you nor I are lawyers, but I am familiar with the fact that it is often employed as a legal catch-all phrase to deal with some of the problems you've just highlighted. Uh, The question posed by the caller is, well, is it too general of a term? Is it the right term? What can you tell us about what nuisance, what you've seen about nuisance laws and what they intend to deal with
12: i think it just gives the uh, councils a little bit of freedom uh, most of them are are not very detailed um mm-hmm. so i i think that there are some gray areas in there and i, I you know i think that there's further uh, jurisdictional scans certainly will be necessary um but you know when you have a an eager and willing mha uh, who has said i'm here to bring this forward um, you know, and obviously that's a great opportunity because, you know, what we, we, we like to work with our MHAs in the city of St. John's when they, when they show up. So uh, so that's, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that it hasn't. Um, myself and the mayor certainly disagree on the issue of uh, this is a private uh, issue as opposed to a public issue. I, I strongly feel this is a public issue. And, uh, and certainly the residents that were there at council uh, felt the same way as well. Um, look, we're we're really working hard to build a, a healthy city strategy, and this is one of the many things: uh, mental health and physical health the ramifications of uh, you know too bright uh, um, lights or noises and things like that that you know really negatively impact people's uh, livelihood. Um, you know, these are things that we we should have jurisdiction over in, in the city of St. John. So, I'm um, you know I'm I'm a little frustrated. But uh, you know what? Uh, we're going to continue to try to mine into this and try to figure out the best way to deal with it.
0: You know, the, the last thing I'd say, um, I, when, when we were speaking there, I was thinking of uh, former mayor and Councillor Shanny Duff and uh, my cousin, the late John Perlin, and others, people you know who fought so hard for you know, protecting St. John's historic properties and historic mm-hmm. looks. Uh, I'm not sure this light helps in that regard. I, I think, look, people, I, I don't want to get sued by the owner of uh, Of the lights, but Mm -hmm. I think we also have to think about our common spaces and how we work together. To uh, you talked about it from from the social and mental health ecosystem. You've done a lot of work there, but the historic aspect of all of this is so important too because it's in every commercial we put out. You fly in an airline, you watch reruns of the Republic of Doyle, you see the Outer Battery. Anyway, that's my mini rant for this morning, there, Sheila. To
12: our beautiful national park, it really truly is a public issue. So uh, anyway. I, I thank you for your time tim and your interest okay. and uh and a uh, big hats off to the residents of the outer battery who brought forward these yep. concerns and really who were did, did the did, did the the share of the work here
0: all right good to talk to you sheila take care
12: oh, okay all right all the best bye-bye okay
0: Sheila O'Leary on the Outer Bat Tree story if you want to call on that please do or anything else we haven't talked about those alcohol guidelines I'd be fascinated to get people's uh, perspective on that you heard Jolene in the news speak about them I mentioned them earlier anyway time for a break here on VOCM's open line we're halfway through the show got an hour and 15 left give us a call lots to talk about I'm Tim Powers back with you shortly Uh, welcome back please now to be joined by the interim leader of the opposition the mha for conception bay east uh and bell island david brazel dave how are you
13: all good tim and uh nice to hear you back on the uh, airways again
0: Thank you. And uh, nice to talk to you. Happy New Year. Um, first of all, I think people are wondering, if you don't mind, how's your health? How are you feeling? You've had you've had a rough fall. Oh, yeah. No, there's been uh, some
13: challenges, no doubt. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling good. And I gave you know, full kudos for our health care system uh, when you get in the quality of care. And I know we all have multitude of challenges uh, in getting access to health care and that. And there are things that need to be addressed in the future. But, you know, I give credit to the people who uh, took care of me in my hour need and uh, I'm on the recovery. A few I other could. things that I needed to have done uh, that were scheduled prior to my heart attack and that intervention that now have been pushed out for another six or eight or ten months so there are things that will only improve as, uh, as I get those interventions done down the road.
0: Well, you certainly sound uh, as able and well as you've always been. So I think we're all we're all glad that uh, that's the case and thankful too that you got the quality care. I mean, just picking up on that for a moment, I mean, we talk about all the struggles in the healthcare system, and there are significant struggles in the healthcare system. We can talk about that in a few minutes, but we do have some of the best uh, caregivers, be they physicians, nurses, nurses' assistants, radiologists, in uh, in in the province, and, and glad you. <laughs> While well, you didn't want to experience that, got to experience their world-class care.
13: Oh, 100%. And I saw, you know, individuals in every, you know, category of the uh, health delivery system here, you know, doing double shifts, coming back because they knew the quality of care was necessary there for people's loved ones on the wards or in in emergency or in ICU or in CCU. So, I mean, the commitment of our healthcare workers here is second to none. You know, we've got to get a, you know, quality of life balance here through retention and recruitment that ensures everybody has access to it, while at the same time we ensure that we're not putting... uh, undue stress on our healthcare professionals
0: who are delivering these services for us so undue stress um, leading a political party you've been doing that for a little while now what what made you decide or what 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 influenced you in deciding not to put your hand up for the the permanent uh, leader role
13: well, the health situation, obviously, was the uh, the biggest factor here. You know, back in August, September, I, you know, the thousands of people, and, and I'm humbled by the number of people who had reached out and uh, encouraged me to run, said they would support me, organizations, uh, you know, uh, some of the union people. Uh, but at the time then, I, I was probably... Sixty forty. that I was I was very interested mm-hmm. in it that wasn't my intent two years ago when I took over uh, from Chess Crosby two years ago my intent was to get the party in a good place do what mm-hmm. I had to do until it led up to a leadership convention and a new leader could take a uh, take over but as we went through the process and uh, got in, got entrenched in it and got support from people I gave it ser- serious consideration obviously when you have a you know a life altering uh, health mm-hmm situation and makes you think what your priorities are and can you do the same quality of work that you would normally do uh, without the intervention uh, from a health perspective. Also at last, this fall, I was to have a couple of other interventions that would have improved my, you know, quality of life, health-wise. Uh, because of the heart attack, they're put off because of the medications and some of the other interventions. So, to get into a vigorous leadership campaign, continuous travel, uh, you know, all the things that need to be done for the next nine months, that wouldn't be in my best interest, health-wise. So, to be fair to other potential candidates, rather than put this off, I could have put this off right until the 15th of May and then made that decision. But to be, you know. Uh, in the best interest of those involved and want to be involved and for the party I thought the, to announce now so anybody who was waiting to see what David Brasel may or may not be doing, now don't have to worry about that and I know there's some you know, key people in caucus that are interested and I know there's some key people outside that are interested so now they can start planning uh, their approach, put together their teams and look at what they would think would reflect the policies that they want to put out so it was mainly based on the health situation and to be fair to the people who may be wanting to run, rather than put this off I think this has to be in the best interest of the party. And that was what the decision I made. And also, uh, now, you know, I need to get back. I've been always known as a good district uh, representative. Yes, you have. Yep. Uh, I can get back now to representing my district a little bit more. Uh, you know, I haven't had the time to put into it, you know, when you're taking the leadership role. Uh, now I'll get a chance to balance that out. Being the leader for the next nine months, and I made this clear, and I made it clear to the premier, you know, I still the... Uh, the uh, leader in the House of Assembly for the official opposition, I'm still the leader of our caucus and I'm still the leader of the PC party here, that I'm still going to represent the people of this province and our caucus are going to do that in the House. And if government does things that are in the best interest of the people, we'll acknowledge that. If they stray from what we feel uh, is in the best interest based on what we've heard from uh, people around this province, then we're going to call them the task on that and ask them to start doing the right thing. So I want to be collaborative. The caucus wants to be collaborative. We'll worry about politics. Uh, before an election. Right now it's about uh, putting the ship in the right direction here and making sure Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are better off next year than they are this year.
0: Before we move into the leadership race, just just on you and, and politics, it was reported that uh, yesterday that you are going to run again. Uh, you will appreciate uh, people gossip in politics all the time, Dave. I know that will shock you. Some 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 suggesting that you have an interest in a federal run potentially. Well, can you speak to what your intentions may be, or have you figured that out yourself?
13: Well, and you know, and I qualified it yesterday by saying, you know, I'll evaluate my uh, health condition next year, and, then, you know, next fall I have to have some interventions that were put off this fall uh, to see where I am from a health perspective. Uh, you know, you never say never in politics, and I said that two years ago when they asked me what I, was I interested in the uh, mm-hmm. permanent leadership of the party. Uh, right now, my concentration is on this party and the leader for the next nine months and my district. Uh, next fall, I'll make a decision on where I am health-wise and where I think my political Uh, future lies when it comes to Newfoundland, Labrador, uh, and representing the people here
0: okay fair answer uh let's talk about healthcare. i've got tom osborne coming up after the news uh it's the issue uh, all across the country and you've 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 lived it more than anybody recently in newfoundland and labrador so you've had a good bird's eye view on it we talked about the great people in the system but i i think uh it's not a stretch to say the system is either at crisis stage or broken depending what aspect of the system you're looking at um what do you think the government of Newfoundland and Labrador is doing wrong, and what do you think it is doing right, right now, as, uh, as you look at the challenges faced by the health care system in the province?
13: Well, I'll first acknowledge, you know, what I do like is the fact that finally they've acknowledged that there's not one quick fix or not only one avenue to go, that you need to look at a multitude of approaches here, recruitment, attention, uh, you know, supports going outside our normal uh, process for recruiting and trying to find creative ways of doing it. Things that, that that I'm still baffled why they haven't uh, pushed harder uh, to improve our health care is changing the scope of work for the health professionals we have now to offset some of the pressures on some of the uh, health professionals in certain categories. Um, retention, more incentives, uh, more collaboration, more dialogue with the agencies and organizations that represent these health professionals. Uh, you know, uh, attraction to the point of, being proactive and my criticism of this administration is that they 're always reactive after something blows up or something comes to the, the forefront that there 's a challenge here that they 're reacting versus being proactive i mean we 've been telling them for seven years in the House of Assembly and so have the medical association the nurses union you know the paramedics the pharmacists the respiratory therapists all the other agencies that are out there NAPE and CUPE and everybody else that we were coming into a crisis and we needed to be proactive as part of that process when you 're not even talking to the potential graduates in some of our you know uh, health oriented classes about getting them to stay in Newfoundland labrador showing that you're supportive of what they're doing being creative around how you can entice them to go to rural and remote areas uh, with with and showing the support that you have for the skill set they have uh, then that's to me, not being a proactive approach to what's happening. So my criticism is not being proactive, and they need to be a bit more creative. Uh, My compliment is they're finally seeing that it's not one avenue to go, that there has to be a multitude of approaches here on trying to solve these issues and see what the scope of work has to be for certain health professionals who can probably pick up some of the uh, other responsibilities so those other health professionals can move on to do some other things.
0: Um, I think creativity, you've you've alluded to it and looking at solving problems differently, recognizing, this is me speaking, not you, that we've had a healthcare system in this country all across the country set up 60 years ago. The country's changed dramatically from population needs to disease management needs. Uh, And I will ask Tom Osborne this question, but I'll ask it to you first. And that is uh, Doug Ford's announcement yesterday, uh, looking at using private private service providers to uh, do some of the basic uh, basic non-invasive surgery starting with cataracts moving to hips and knees just to remind the audience as ford has described it um, the the province will pay for the surgical treatments citizens will not pay for the surgical treatments the treatments will simply be delivered through private clinics critics will say well you're taking money out of the public system and that'll have an impact on human resources anyway we we'll fight that till the to the cows come home what is your take on that sort Sort of creative approach. Could something like that be done in Newfoundland, albeit we don't have as many private options as they do in Ontario?
13: Oh, I think very much so it could be. I mean, the issue is here we have to come up with a new approach to providing health care so people have access to it on a timely fashion and that our outcomes are better. The first primary objective here this must not cost a patient one cent that patient should have the same privileges that they now have when they go into one of our uh, uh, public facilities now as part of that process but we have some private uh, in, uh, healthcare professionals who have a model that can provide a service that's equitable from a financial point of view for from a taxpayers there wouldn't be any more costing to that the patients would have more access to it And it would free up other parts of our public system to be able to do other interventions. If it's more serious things like cancer treatments or cardiac uh, interventions, what may be relevant to those type of things. So I think there has to be a made in Newfoundland approach to delivery of healthcare. That's a bit unique and thinking outside the box, but using the private sector. And we have extremely talented, you know, health professionals who provide uh, uh, public service uh, healthcare. In in clinics, outside, we're doing it, you know, uh, dentists do it on a daily basis, optometrists do it on a daily basis. We need to find another way to do that without it costing one additional cent to the taxpayers or to a patient, but improving access and improving outcomes and using the expertise in the health field that we have. And these individuals are, you know... um, investing their own monies because they have a model that, uh, you know, they've looked at. But I think Mm -hmm. you can look at other models, but it has to be something made in Newfoundland, Labrador. It has to include the unions in the discussion. It has to include those who are providing the service. And it has to include the government officials to make sure everything fits neat and tidy and the outcomes are the important process here, access and outcomes, so that it's an improvement to our health care system in Newfoundland and Labrador.
0: Well, hopefully we'll know more about access and outcomes soon, as it sounds like we are getting closer to an agreement. Let's hope. I'll ask Minister Osborne about that. All right, I'll leave it there. Dave Brazel, good to hear that your health's improving. Uh, good to hear all that fire in your voice. I think regardless of political affiliation, people have always appreciated the hard work you do for the province. Thanks for joining us today.
13: Thank you, Tim. Have a great one. Everybody
0: be safe. Take care. That was uh, Dave Brazel, the interim leader of the opposition, uh, taking us through his decision not to run for permanent leader and uh, giving us his thoughts, which are well-formed, given his recent experience with our health care system on health care. Back with the Minister of Health after the news.
4: Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break.
0: Welcome back. It is the national news story and that is the state of health care in the country, not just in Newfoundland and Labrador. We're uh, fortunate this morning to have the Minister of Health for the province, uh, Tom Osborne, join us. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing
14: well, Tim. Uh, thanks for having
0: me on the on the show. Uh, good to have you on. We'll, we'll get to some of, of the recruiting work you've been doing and the trip you had to Ireland in a moment. I want to get to two topical national news stories first, how many you probably have anticipated what they are. First is, um, yesterday, both the Prime Minister and Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, in different events and different news conferences, when asked, effectively said that we are closer, we, the provinces, and the... Uh, the federal government to a deal on health care. Some of the elements of that deal have been reported by CBC and they suggest that there would be agreement on the federal government priority areas, that the dollar figure, while not quite being thirty-five billion dollars is is significant, uh, that there could be a, there would be a meeting in February among the first ministers to finalize this, that there might be set aside arrangements, specific arrangements for provinces uh, Along with uh, the bigger reinfusion of cash into the Canada health and social transfer. What can you say about what the Prime Minister and Premier Mo have said, uh, Tom, about the status of healthcare negotiations?
14: Well, a couple of things I can uh, add. One is we have a um Uh, The Atlantic ministers are meeting uh, later this month, uh, so that will be a topic of discussion at that meeting. Um, But the other uh, issue is uh, these negotiations are primarily uh, between the first ministers and the prime minister. Um, At this particular stage, I wouldn't want to um, inject uh, or interject uh, and cause any complications i I think it's it's probably best to allow those negotiations to unfold and the discussions to continue um without adding um
0: you know complication to it by by speaking of what's not yet finalized okay fair enough um, second topical story and you may have heard me pose this question to David Brazzle to get his reaction you will know that yesterday in Ontario your counterpart Sylvia Jones and the premier Doug Ford announced um, an arrangement whereby different less invasive sur- or common less invasive surgeries like cataracts like hips and knees and other uh, endoscopies and colon all over a particular period of time will be offered in private medical clinics But the government of Ontario will provide accessibility to these clinics, pay the bill for Ontarians, to use Premier Ford's phrase, there will be no credit card medicine you can get your knee done in a private clinic if that option uh, becomes available. Is this something, it's an option, and there's been criticism of it, um, and there will be criticism of it, is this an option Newfoundland might consider and Labrador might consider? Well, we've just increased the number of cataract
14: surgeries in private clinics in the province that government pay for. Um, So we've had a a significant increase um, in those surgeries this year. It is something we're looking at, um, you know, whether or not we need to further increase that uh, for the upcoming budget in terms of hip and knee, um, an initiative that... uh, uh, government has undertaken to increase access to uh, joint replacement. Um, we are starting in St Anthony with hip and knee replacement, uh, starting in in Carboneer uh, to ensure that um, we are better able to meet the national benchmarks. The other aspect is uh, we are introducing a same day surgeries for people who qualify. Uh, with less complicated surgeries, and that should speed up the process as well. So, in in those two particular areas, we've undertaken a significant amount of work to ensure uh, that we meet the national benchmarks and and um, the backlog uh, that resulted um, from the pandemic. That we're able to uh, overcome the, the the backlog that was in place.
4: Is there,
0: maybe let me ask it this way. Is there anything that's entirely off the table? Because I think we're in a time as people, the average citizens, look at the healthcare system, deal with the healthcare system for themselves, their family, their friends, where they're recognizing it's just not working the way it was intended six decades ago when it was originally designed. Is there anything that's off the table that would never at least be discussed?
14: Uh, I think, you know, the the Health Accord provides us with a 10-year plan. Uh, We've already undertaken a number of initiatives there. Um, That doesn't mean that the, you know, uh, we won't look at um, if there's a better way of doing something that may or may not be covered by the Health Accord. But the Health Accord is a very comprehensive plan. It took a couple of years to put together uh, huge stakeholder involvement um, in community outreach. Um, there was consultations across the province on that plan, and that is the the uh, path forward for um, modernizing and transforming healthcare in the province. Uh, having said that, you know we will continue to monitor what other provinces are doing, and if it's something that mm-hmm. is a acceptable uh, to the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, and b
0: makes sense, you know we, we will certainly explore it. Um, one of the things that's come up in the discussions around um, healthcare and, and and service provision is the rural urban divide. You live that in a very pronounced way. Uh, one of the things you've tried to do in that regard is recruit, not just for St. John's but for and uh, Cornerbrook, but for communities all over the province. You've just been in Ireland. Uh, our nursing leadership has been in India uh, and elsewhere. The uh, You're winning plaudits, by the way. I was on a national program last night, and uh, former head of the CBC Parliamentary Bureau was talking about the efforts Newfoundland uh, was making. So hopefully they're bearing fruit. But how are these recruitment efforts going are you starting to see that proverbial fruit from the work you're doing from the work the nurses union are doing and others are doing to get people to come to our province to help uh, serve in the healthcare system
14: i believe so um you know first of all i will say that recruitment now is uh, significantly more challenging than it was Two years ago, five yeah. years ago, certainly uh, and and further back, uh, there is a global shortage of healthcare care workers uh, it 's being felt everywhere uh, it 's certainly felt in every province across canada i 'm still in Ireland um, we had oh you are okay. The, yeah, okay yeah, so w- we just we had two recruitment events yesterday uh, we had uh, a good turnout there is interest the you know Ireland's healthcare is very, very challenged, I would say, perhaps more challenged than ours um, you know so the uh, the um, there is opportunity here there are Canadians um, we were just at uh, one of the medical uh, training facilities yesterday uh, where they have three hundred Canadians enrolled this year, really uh, previous- wow. Yes, yeah. So that's, you know, it's significant. Um, And previously, uh, Tim, there was no path back to Canada Mm -hmm. other than through the CARMS process, they'd have to apply. Um, We are uh, looking at paths back. We've added five um, international medical graduate seats. Um, last year, looking at increasing that further at, uh, Memorial for residents, that would be, uh, focused on Canadians as opposed to, uh, you know, just, uh, in any, any student from, from anywhere, uh, you know, so that is, uh, in an attempt to give Canadians a pathway back to, uh, be able to practice in Newfoundland and Labrador, so, um, you know, go ahead, Tom. We, yeah, we continue to dialogue with Memorial University uh, with the medical uh, school at Memorial University on how we can provide pathways back for international medical graduates. Um, you know, the the uh, practice ready assessment program uh, is there. I know that government, um, the uh, the NLMA. The College of Physicians and Surgeons and Memorial University are looking how, uh, you know, how we can improve that um, to ensure that there is uh, greater access to um, being able to practice in Newfoundland and Labrador by individuals who are from abroad.
0: Before I let you go, I was asked to ask you one very specific district question. And I know regardless of where you are in the world, you're always uh, you you and your family have been well known for keeping your fingers on the pulse of your district. And it's uh, uh, related to the flooding in Kilbride that happened not that long ago. Is there anything you uh, available in terms of assistance or new on assistance? That was a question uh, one of your constituents who called into the program asked us to ask you.
14: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we haven't been able to identify assistance. Um, I know even with Fiona, um, under the federal uh, emergency funding, some of the homes out there, uh, as we've seen in in media recently, uh, the damage on some of the homes was not significant enough to allow them to qualify. So while many homes in in, uh, the Portabasque area uh, our Burgeville area um, did get covered. There were many homes that because the, the damage was not significant enough, uh, they didn't qualify. So I understand um, the, um, the nature of the storm and the fact that there was insurance available um, means that uh, it would not qualify under the Federal uh, Emergency Assistance Program. And we haven't been able to identify another source of funding. It, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I know many of the families that were impacted in the Kilbride area, um, you know, if there's twenty or $30,000 worth of damage, that can be devastating to a family. Um, I had not given up on trying to locate a source of funding, uh, but I, I don't know where, where else to, to
0: look at this particular stage. Okay. I'll leave it there. Thank you for answering that. Uh, we'll let you get back to work in Ireland. Thank you uh, for calling us. Uh, you've got a tough job, and it's a tough time in the in the world of, of health care in this country and around the globe. Thank you, Tom Osborne.
14: Thanks, uh, Tim. Um, always a pleasure. And uh, when we get back, we'll
0: give you a call to give you an update. All right, thank you very much. All right, that was the Minister of Health for Newfoundland and Labrador, Tom Osborne. Ran a little long because we wanted to get into some details with the Minister. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got Doc and uh, Tony on the other side, back with you shortly. Ooh, welcome back to Open Line. Well, we've had a couple of long discussions about health care. We're now going to go to Doc O'Keefe, who's always in good health, at least with me. How are you, Doc? What's going on? <laughs> I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm alright. What's on your mind today?
15: Uh, a number of things, uh, Tim. You know, I'm listening to Sam Seigneur and other people calling this morning on the um, the travel situation here in Canada, and mm-hmm. of course it brought me to thinking about the experience the young hockey team, Newfoundland yeah. young boys had in Halifax over the weekend when they were abandoned by Air Canada and forced to sleep on the floor. Halifax Terminal. Now, how in the name of God does that happen? And, and, And Air Canada apparently used weather as an excuse, so they weren't given any food or water.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's, as I think we learned at the hearings last week, if you've been, well, if you've been kept on the tarmac for three hours, yeah. so you're supposed to get food and water, um, one would assume if they they usually give you vouchers. Anyway, keep going.
15: Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're old enough to remember Aeroflat. They all wrote the- <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't fly them. I can tell you that. Anyway, go ahead.
15: Yeah, that's what we got here now in Canada <laughs> with both our so-called national airlines and, and, you know, parliamentary committees. I mean, you know where they go. Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere now, next, fast. Anyhow.
0: Next, you're going to tell me I had a crush on Nadia Comaneci. You're aging me, Doc, here. Keep going. <laughs> the
15: other the other two things, well, it was one thing, really, is punitive taxation. And we're into that era now, especially federally and provincially, where governments use punitive taxation as a way of forcing people to change their behaviour. So, you know, people need to realise here in this province that when it comes to heating their homes and driving their cars, pretty soon in April, the carbon tax is going to leap by another 14 cents a litre. And that to take effect in, in July, and then in July there's another 13 cents a litre that will uh, evolve over a period of a few years, I believe, to 2030. So put it together, uh, you know, again you're looking at 27 cents on your furnace oil and uh, on your your driving habits. So. And to no avail, really. I mean, it's not changing behavior to any any great deal. And for Seamus O'Regan or any of the Newfoundland federal liberals, with the exception of Ken McDonald, for any of these people to say, you're going to get your money back and maybe more. Well, wow. What a foolish statement to make. That means, then why are you doing this? If you're going to take my money and give it back to me, all of it, Mm-hmm. What's the purpose
0: of it anyway? Yeah,
15: yeah you know. Well, I, mean, I can
0: tell you they're not giving it all, 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 all of it back to you. I got my whopping uh, one of my climate, ref- climate fund payments uh, earlier in the week, or last week, should say, it was a whopping $93. So that's like a tank of gas and, yeah. <laughs> and $10 in the next tank.
15: Yeah, and, and then, of course, you know, you got to the, the uh, provincial crowd, thanks to Dr. Fury and company, and Siobhan Cody, and uh, they're giving, or they've given us the sugar tax, which has got to be the most ludicrous tax in Canada, of all the provinces in Canada to leap another futile tax on, Newfoundland and Labrador, and we're the only one. Nobody's following suit. And, and you know, to say that... It's for your health. Well la di da, if you really wanted to help people, what you would have done is lowered the tax on and consumer writings that are, that are healthy. Mm-hmm. not punitively heap a tax on people to make it even more expensive for them to buy certain things
0: and Now I got speaking of taxes I, I, this yep. has been taxing me, gotta get your opinion out. you're a former mayor of the city you're watching the situation in the outer battery, yep. you're hearing the explanation that we can't move because we don't have a bylaw that addresses it we need to ref- or change the St. John, the city of St. John's act, is that all accurate in your view, just three Seventy-seven, work here. Give me your quick two-minute take on this.
15: Well, Tim, I said publicly last week. I heard John Allen, Minister Allen, say Abbott. that the uh, uh, no, uh, yes, right <laughs> uh, uh, to say, and he said that. Um, If the city made a request to the province, then he would ensure that in March, the legislation would go through the House of Assembly, giving the city the uh, change in the City Act, empowering it to take action in cases like that. And I said to myself, Well, now, that's a good idea. That's a solution to the problem that should keep everybody happy. And it's only a matter of the municipal government working with the provincial government and doing the deed. And then when Deputy Mayor O'Leary announced, uh, Friday I think it was, that uh, she was going to bring such a motion, notice a motion to the council, I figured, well, should I have passed unanimously and get on with it and, and deal with the issue? Boy, was I ever surprised last night when uh, they voted almost unanimously not to go down that road. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. how
15: foolish is that?
0: And what about this this argument that's been made about this 377 uh, uh, article within the city uh, within the City of Saint John's Act? In your view, could that be applied or not applied? I think they've been given legal advice that it doesn't, but what's your take on Yeah.
15: That? No, I I understand, that, you know, the process whereby counsel has to refer or will refer certain issues to the legal department for their opinion on action or, or no action. And in this case... They, they referred it to the legal department and the city's lawyers came back for their own legal reasons and said, uh, no, you really don't have that authority and, and so therefore you can't do it. And, and council accepted that authority and okay. that opinion. And I understand that, and uh, had I been the mayor, I, I would have accepted the advice of my lawyers. I mean, they are they're very good. I know that from experience. So uh, I would have looked for an alternative mechanism, and Minister Abbott and Deputy Mayor O'Leary appeared with that alternative mechanism that would have solved the problem and would have kept all of those people in the battery uh, satisfied and at the same time would have been there for future use in other areas of the city. And I guarantee you that uh, lighting, we have a noise bylaw, so why can't we have an excessive light bylaw? And and it's not just for the battery. There are other areas and I'm familiar with and was familiar with when I was mayor where lighting was an issue. So... The mechanism was put forth. I don't understand why they didn't take it.
0: Okay. Got to leave it there. Always good to talk to you, Doc. Thank you. Talk soon. Good to talk to you. Keep it going in Ottawa. All right. Take care. That's uh, Doc O'Keefe uh, giving his insight, among other things, on the uh, the debate around the outer battery lights. Lights on, lights off. Time for lights off now for a news break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Tony. Back with you shortly.
4: Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We've got uh, about 23 minutes left or less. Sorry, 22 minutes. Uh, So if you want to give us a call, give us a call. But we're going to go right to the lines now because he has been waiting and he always uh, gives me a call, which I appreciate. Tony, how are you?
16: Not too bad. Tim and you?
0: I am uh, okay. Still licking my wounds over Tom Brady, not winning that game yesterday. But, you know, I got to suck it up. What about you? How's it going?
16: Oh, not too bad at all have a long time since I spoke to you, but anyway. Yeah,
0: no, I, I was saying to Dave. I think it's probably since the early fall when I was on. In the, in the early fall, how things been with you? What's on your mind?
16: Oh, just the health care. One I here is the health care. I mean, you got they're saying there's shortage all over the world, but we had our health care. I have talked to doctors. Doctors had been on evening news. They've been. I mean, we've had uh, they lost all their incentives from rural areas. They've. Uh, The lowball offer that government has offered them to force them to basically move out of the province. And I mean, it's just ridiculous what's going on here. They had, there was another lady, I mean, I've had doctors that. their husband was doctors and he couldn't get a job here because they are from foreign country, but you had to go to Toronto and, and their mm-hmm. son was graduating to be doctors. And, just to, and you know, like, we got nurses here. We got 1,200 nurses here working casual. We need 600 full-time nurses. There's no trouble to get them. The point of the matter is they don't want to pay them, but yet they're traveling all over the world, paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, taxpayers' money, and yet trying to recruit nurses from Ireland, which they're on a strike over there now for the same reason that we got the problems here because of the working conditions. and they what? knew that and yet there's you know like this yet they're on a strike over there because of it, and they goes over to try to recruit them
0: well a couple couple things on that just just to be fair because it's not just newfoundland and labrador there are other governments that are doing the recruiting it doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to fly to to ireland or or india i can tell certainly as it relates to ireland because i've flown to ireland many times for work and it's it is it's not cheap but it's it's also not in the tens of thousands for an individual ticket depends the way you fly india would would be be the same way i challenge you on one thing i mean it's Again, it's not just Newfoundland and Labrador that's saying where it's hard to get people. I think we can be more creative there. But let me ask you something cuz you watch politics a lot. You've heard me ask Brazil and Tom Osborne about this this morning. And that is what do you think of what Ford's doing in Ontario with creating private service using existing private service centers to provide publicly accessible surgeries. is that something Newfoundland should look at?
16: Yeah but the point is we have our, we had our doctors and they're forced out of here by a low offer like you talk to a doctor and they'll tell you they have never been so devalued in all their life. Uh, you, uh, a lot of doctors didn't are leaving because of that. Mm-hmm. Like the nurses' union, the head of the nurses' union was on last week. Twenty-five percent of the nurses are casual. Like she said, we got 1,200 nurses, I think she said, that's casual. She said, we only need 600 full-time nurses. She said, we got the answer, but the government were paid the lowest in the country, and the government is not making them any offers or their working conditions. So we, got, we, we lost five respiratory ter- or six respiratory therapists since last September. That was up to December. We have nine graduating this year, and yet, up until December, we never had one offer for the respiratory therapist for to get hired here. that government never made them an offer, but let New Brunswick come in and make them all kinds of offers and incentives. And for Tom Osborne to say we're going to increase our seats now for doctors, when we had doctors graduated here last year and they never even made them an offer, and, they, and in fact, one of them spoke out last, back late last year saying that she was working in, in uh, PEI now. The government never made her an offer. That's just one of many that's graduating. The government is not no; they're not making offers to these people. And we've lost six ever since the last January. We lost seven uh, radiation therapists. The government is they, they're, they're bringing them here, but then they won't do anything to keep them. And they're <laughs> making you know, like uh, I injured my back back in March of last year. I had a serious back injury, and I was in hospital for a while, and you can't get any better treatment, and the nurses, you can't ask for any better, or doctors. But we're losing them left, right, and center because they don't want to work 24, 36 hours. And the reason you're going casual, because the only reason we're going casual is because the only time they they don't have the work done that 24, 36 hours, you can at least have some time with their families. But they can't, and this is why the nurses are leaving here, because of the government. We didn't have this problem. We got about 100, they said 136,000-plus that doesn't have a doctor. It's hard to put a finger on. I say it's about 150 now, 160 thousand without a doctor, and more and more doctors are retiring or leaving, and the less people we got. And then they're paying, and then they turn around to him and they pay a, a, a call for an 811 who you got to call in to tell you other than get a prescription to go see your family doctor or go to emergency. They're paying them. $82 a call up to 72,000 hours which is supposed to be a year which according to Tom Osborne there's 600 calls a day so your average is about 4 months you got your 72,000 hours up And Tony and I, let,
0: let me jump in for a second and, I think there's a lot of fair points you've made about compensation and certainly you're right the nurses and the, the doctors in the province have made that issue they're making it in every province uh, and I think he, there's another issue you're touching on which is important physician burnout which is one that really worries me because that gets to retention I mean our physician Our nurses, anybody who's been in the healthcare system over the last three years is, you know, they're heroes in so many ways because they've just done so much for all of us, but they're getting to the end of their... I want to ask you this one question before we go to the break. You're hearing that there's an agreement soon to be coming, that money is soon to be coming, that it's going to help. What do you think is the number one thing? Well, let me ask it this way. What is the number one thing you think the provincial government should be doing to address the health care system challenges in Newfoundland and Labrador?
16: Well, number one, they should uh, the money they've gotten. I mean, they got we got to sign our doctors. We got to give them their incentives back that date. the liberals took away from them in the first place, and our nurses. And we got to get sign these therapists. Even our even our technicians. They're lucky if they can get a break. In the, in the daytime. They're, they're so overworked because pe- they're not recruiting and they're not wanting to get them. They're not keeping by paying them the money. Tim, you uh, they paid over $40 million for uh, extra for the Build-A-Waterford Hospital. And then on top of that, they cut 40 beds in it and never reduced the price. Not that I know of. They're paying out, but they got money for everything. They got, they hired, about a, they spent about $100 million on people coming in here telling them how to do a budget or how to plan the cut and how to sell off stuff. But yet, we haven't got. We didn't have the money when it come to our healthcare. If they took one, one, twenty, uh, but twenty. If they took one quarter of it and put down our healthcare, we would have had healthcare for years to come. But they're not looking at. Well,
0: I, 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 don't know about that. I mean, look, there's lots of provinces that use um, private companies to provide advisory services. a Big controversy, as you know, because you follow all the stuff happening here in Ottawa about there being too much of that. But, but you know, whether it would have gone back into healthcare or whether that would have made the system work, I think that's a leap. Anyway, Anyway, I can give you about 15 seconds, then i got to take a break, Tony.
16: Okay, well, I'd say right now, like, we could have had our health care, like, we've had our health care, and we let it go. To, and, but at the same time, when Tom says to add more seats to the university, it's no good adding seats if you don't hire the doctor that graduates. So, to me, and the only time you know if the liberals are lying, the lips are moving. Because, you know, something <laughs> you don't know, I was like, tell the truth.
0: Oh, Tony, I, I will I live long enough to ever hear you say anything good about a liberal? I, I don't think I will, but I, I'm planning to live a long time. Good to have you on this morning, Tony. Take care. You too, Tim. Okay, bye. All right, time for our last break here on VOCM's Open Line. we got room for another caller, too. You're going to have to listen to me drone on about something that I haven't even picked yet. Talk to you shortly back on VOCM's Open Line momentarily. Welcome back. Well, we're going to go back to where we started. I've got Mark Wilson on. Mark uh, and I spoke yesterday about the outer battery. Now, Mark, you have done this to me, and this is not a bad thing. You have forced me, uh, because I love to learn, to go back and and read a biblical passage can you guess which one i'm going to give to you genesis 1 3, 5 and god said let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness but we're kind of wanting to re-engineer genesis here aren't we and of course no disrespect to anybody who was religious i studied um my bible quite extensively New and old testament in grade school but i could not help but think of that phrase from genesis mark can we re-engineer that now
17: I think, you know, isn't there some biblical passage about
7: being good to your neighbors? <laughs> no.
0: Indeed there is. Indeed there is. Uh, but this is not yeah. Bible studies. You got me on that one. Okay. What's your take after yesterday and the vote and everything? You've heard Mary O'Leary, Doc O'Keefe uh, this morning. Everybody's had a perspective on this. You even had Sam Senior, which I, I found um, uh, interesting, say that he... He, uh, he viewed that this was, in fact, a provincial issue, and you and I talked about that yesterday. So we're sitting here, seven minutes left in the show. Tell me where you think things stand and where we go from here.
17: Well, first of all, Tim, jumping into this, you know, very specific
0: uh, issue—
17: And and learning all that you've learned is really commendable. So thank you very much for taking this on. I know that you just jumped in yesterday, and you probably weren't expecting all this. I did my best to try to share with you what you know some of the background. Um. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I feel oh, and and I didn't hear hear uh, I didn't hear Sam's
0: uh, I didn't hear Sam on on on. So what Sam about. said, Mark, just just to give you that, is Sam said, look, uh, he supports the whole notion that, um, it, well, first of all, he does think it's a nuisance uh, what is happening, but he supports the whole notion of uh, needing to get these acts redone and moving forward on that. And he said it is a, a an, an issue that, while happening in St. John's, it, it, that does have an impact all across the province because what's decided here will be interpreted and potentially utilized elsewhere. So that's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what Sam said.
17: Yeah, I think, I think there's some merit to that. It's clearly not a provincial issue. And, and, you know, although, you know, when you, when you get to the end of it, it's not, Uh, I mean, otherwise why would municipalities across the country, have nuisance lighting bylaws um they would just they would also rely on, on provinces to do that um it's kind of like I, I guess the analogy is that the city of saint john's is like a child to <laughs> province. like why you know a lot of people are, are saying like why do we have to ask the province to create this uh a bit this ability to write our own bylaw um And unfortunately, we do have a City St. John's Act that I think Danny Green said 28 years we've been asking for it to be uh, updated. Um, But, you know, in the same for the same reason. And and that was the reason that a lot of the counselors gave yesterday was like, you know, we need to have a new act. We've got to give the province the time to do it. Well, I mean, we've got a cabinet minister saying we'll do this right now uh, with an amendment. There's been over 30 amendments since 91. Like, it's not a new thing to get an amendment. And if we're going to get a new act soon, what's the harm in creating an amendment now? If it's going to be on the books for a year and a half, then what's the what's the harm? Um, you know, I heard Sheila say that she's going to ensure that, or she's going to look into whether this will be a, a component of the new act. But I think, like, if you look at the 2018, uh, I believe it was 2018, the general report, um, they say, you know, we need new legislation at the provincial level for uh, for to allow cities like City St. John's to be able to create these kind of bylaws. Um, and that there are non-prescriptive uh, examples across the country, uh, like I think I said this yesterday, like Hamilton, like Guelph. Where you mm-hmm. can, you know, a city can actually be an adult, not a child asking for permission, but an adult to, you know, act like an adult to, to create this, these bylaws themselves, to write them up themselves. And I can only assume, Tim, that that's what we're aiming for, mm-hmm. uh, that, that the new act will be that. So, I mean, you can write it now uh, as an amendment, or you can write it later. Uh, and what I took from yesterday was that these eight counselors that voted no just like they don't support it they don't want to do it now for the purpose of we're going to do it later like it doesn't make no sense to
0: me. <laughs> there's a lot in this mark that doesn't make sense as you say i parachuted into all all of that i i guess the part <laughs> that disturbs me a lot is that and i, I assume it's not for lack of trying and i appreciate there's a, a um a participant in this exercise who was not being at all cooperative that it it can't be resolved um, I, I do question because I've asked Doc O'Keefe about this I've asked uh, Deputy Mayor Leary about this and, and it was Christina Smith who flagged it for me yesterday why in this particular circumstances we can't despite the legal advice look at exercising some judgment around utilizing that clause 377 but it, it, it as I sit here today Patty probably back tomorrow I don't think this is going anywhere fast do you?
17: Oh, well, I don't think it's going anywhere fast. Uh, like, it, I think what you brought up, Tim, is is the, you know, the, the appetite to protect our citizens. Yeah. And that's what yeah. people should be considered, uh, should be concerned about. Because, you know, if uh, 377 is, is very, it seems to me, you look at it now, I'm not a lawyer. but yeah. If you look at it, I mean, it mentions lights. It mentions nuisance. It's very, it seems clearly like something that would work. But, I mean, and the reason it's been given is that the city lawyers don't think it'll work. Why? You know, is it because the appetite isn't there to go to court over this? Because, you know, in the CBC article this morning, we know that this gentleman is very litigious and the city is afraid of being sued, just like Cornerbrook has been uh, by Mm -hmm. this gentleman. So, what... What? But, I mean, we have to stick up for our citizens. That's what it comes down to. If we don't If we don't have a lawyer within the city that's willing to do this, maybe they need to hire one that that has the guts to do it. Um, But that's not going to happen with, uh,
0: you know, an eight to one vote. Unfortunately, it's not going to go away. Gentry's no, it's, not. yeah, it's not going to go. You wonder if the public pressure has any impact on uh, Mr. Way, the individual, in uh, in question. So we, we shall see. So, Mark, while you were talking, I was paying rapt attention, but I was doing some Googling. So here is one for you, continuing the theme of referring to the Bible for guidance here, and many people do that, and I respect it. This is one on Neighbors that I think fits. It's from Romans fourteen thirteen, and it says this. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up. Up your not mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. How's that? Not bad. I mean,
17: I, I, I would I would argue that uh, protecteth thy constituents would be a, a great <laughs> a great passage. Um, and you know, in a public area like the battery, like you know, in, in the battery, this is an iconic, beautiful place. Yeah. we know how many people have gone go through the North Head Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how many tourists go to the battery. This is, and it's not about the tourists. It's about the residents who live there, and they are the, uh, you know, when it all comes down, they are the protectors of this place. It's not, uh, you know, we don't see the protections. You know, we've seen we've seen city legislation, the battery guidelines,
0: and uh, various things over the years. I got and a call time, Mark. Got a call time, but thank you, thank you for your help with this Good this talking. week. Thanks for taking this on, Tim. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. And thank every one of you listeners. Great couple of days. Uh, Hopefully, though I may be back tomorrow, Patty will be back. Uh, Great being with you all. Thank you as always to... uh to my friend uh, Dave uh, Williams, who is uh, excellent and par none, and VOCM is very lucky to have Dave and all the team at VOCM to work with are fantastic. Uh, let there be light. Let's get this problem solved. Light, darkness, just bring back some civility. As Tom Davis said, uh, and as I parroted, civility is what we need. And uh, that is something I hope for in this dispute and others. I'm Tim Powers. That's VOCM Open Line for today.